0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Well, you know what that music means. It is definitely Halloween. We're going to give you nothing but Treats right here. No tricks here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaBounty joined by my guest in studio, Danny Cordy, Executive Director of the Mobile Sports Authority. Man, I, how are you doing today, Danny? Doing great. Man, it's a uh, – hey, look, I'm happy to have you this afternoon. And, again, when you do look about being Halloween, uh, we're going to get into – the best horror films of all time, the scariest horror film character. We're also going to talk about the best Halloween candy of all time because, you know, what time do you turn off the lights for those trick-or-treaters too, Danny? Because all these are questions that will be answered right here on a Halloween edition of The Final Drive.
2: Wow, more information than you can even imagine. Absolutely. (laughs) And, And one more thing. Happy 72nd birthday to Coach Nick Saban.
1: You can't forget about the (laughs) ghost birthday here on Halloween as well. And, you know, Nick Saban has brought nothing but treats to Tuscaloosa since he's arrived in Tuscaloosa for sure and has a big matchup with the LSU Tigers, his former team coming up. And we've got a great lineup today. We're scheduled to be joined by Taylor Zarzer, And that's a a ghost from the past here on WNSP 105.5. Mike Scarborough from TigerBait.com will join us to give the LSU perspective on this Alabama-LSU matchup. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC, joins us along with... Tim Hale, who is the executive director not only of the Port City Classic but the Gulf Coast Challenge as well. So we're looking forward to that matchup this coming Saturday at Lad Peebles Stadium with the Alabama State Hornets coming to town out of Montgomery, taking on Grambling the great school that, again, made famous by Eddie Robinson Sr., along with Doug Williams as well. And we'll jump right into things right here on WNSP 105.5 with who we call a ghost from the past here in the Mobile area, but no stranger. He's a friendly ghost here (laughs) to the show. Taylor Zarzer joins us this afternoon. Taylor, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us.
3: You got it, Corey. Always glad to do it.
1: Taylor, let, let's talk a little bit about the reason that you will be coming here to Mobile, Alabama. You're, you and a couple of other special guests that represent Southeastern Conference football always make time on your schedule to give back to the youth. Uh, Pritchard Preparatory Academy, and it's a great fundraising opportunity for an outstanding school that does a great job with the young people. Talk about what your purpose and why you'd like to keep coming back and giving back to Pritchard Preparatory Academy.
3: Yeah. Passion for Pritchard prep was the event and I've been doing it the last six or seven years. And, um, uh, my, my wife, uh, when we first got together and my mother still to this very day are very active in the school. And, um, you know, I, I think that every, as everybody knows, um, Pritchard is an, a great community that has, um, a lot of people that all they need is an opportunity and um, a lot of money has been right through the years to give young people an opportunity at a great, at, at a better education. And uh, this event helps raise a ton of money for that purpose. And uh, it's incredibly fulfilling Corey to be involved with something like that and see the difference it's making in that community. There's a lot of people in that community that I've grown to, to love and appreciate and um You know, a lot of us um, have been fortunate in life to get opportunities, and some of us haven't been. And um, if you can just give somebody an opportunity, guys win the limit. And I think that's exactly what uh, we're trying to have uh, happen there with Pritchard Prep. And uh, tomorrow night will be special. We'll have Roman Harper and Matt Stinchcomb uh, come into town with me. And Jim, of course, Roman used to play in Alabama. Georgia, we've been doing broadcast together for a number of years. And Roman uh, does great studio work and the SEC Nation show as well. Um, So to have them with me tomorrow night will be very special and hope it's a great night.
1: It definitely will be you mentioned giving back to that school and and the reason and your purpose and your passion to giving back to, to the young kids there and just seeing them given an opportunity and what a great event it is. And and we'll go back and we'll touch on that again. And I know for so many years, you know, you coming up here in Mobile, Alabama, and it's, it's definitely a city that is known across the country for so many reasons. And some people love to, forget that it is the home of Mardi Gras with New Orleans trying to make that claim, but I know that not only being the official home of Mardi Gras, also the home of the Reese's Senior Bowl and just so many fabulous and wonderful athletes who have come from right here in the Port City. I know as you've continued your adult life, you take no shame or don't hide from the fact that Mobile, Alabama is where you have roots and the great things that have gone on, not only for yourself but continue to go on for the port city
3: that's exactly right it's where I'm from it's my hometown um, I'm very proud of that and um, my entire SEC broadcast crew that I work with all laughs because they'll I will find a way to get mobile into the broadcast just about every single Saturday uh, and they all laugh because they know how much my hometown means to me but um, it is you can only have one of them and I'm very proud that's mine and uh, obviously still have a lot of family and friends that live there and uh, look forward to every time I, I get a chance to, to come back there but you're right it it does it as a, a very rich tradition when it comes to people that have gone on to be successful whether they've stayed in town or they've left and gone elsewhere especially athletically I mean, think of you know what Jake Peavy has done with with his life and his career, and now how active he is back in his community. And you think of all the football success the people have had coming out of that community. We had Mark Barron with us last year, uh, and Mark obviously went on after starring at Alabama. Um, you, you just have a number of people that have have had a lot of success. And then, yeah, you're right. The Reese's Senior Bowl is something that continues to showcase the city of mobile each and every year and i think jim maggie is going to have a lot to tell us tomorrow night about how great this game is going to be in early february especially with the quarterbacks that'll be coming to the mobile area uh in early february this draft has is going to have a lot of intrigue and it seems like it always starts in mobile so that's always a fun thing to talk about too but yeah there's a whole lot going on in that town and you're absolutely right. It's where Mardi Gras started, not New Orleans. That's fine. They can have. A team that comes with Mardi Gras, but we we know where it was started.
1: Absolutely, Taylor Zars are our guest here this afternoon on the Final Drive, and no stranger not only here to WNSP, but does a tremendous job as a college football analyst and also covers big-time golf and when i say big-time golf i mean big-time golf i know Bronner, you're you're a golfer it, let let taylor know what what you recently golfed here this past week brauner let, let taylor and let him critique what you did what your score was
4: Oh, i don't know what kind of player you are taylor i, I shoot like low 90s i mean I, I i've gotten better but you know we're still working on it
3: <laughs> well hey that's good man you got to start somewhere and um Unlike most of us, you're you're probably getting better every time you play the game. So congratulations with that. Um yeah, golf's a huge part of of uh of what I do professionally and um almost every friendship I have in the world and has uh, something to do with the game of golf. So um I hope that you have the, the same experience that a lot of us listening have had.
1: Well the experience that the SEC fan gets on Saturdays is second to none. I mean, you look at the success that Alabama has witnessed under Nick Saban and Of course, today being his birthday, turning 72, as my partner here, Danny Cordy, made sure that I didn't omit that in today's opening, but when you do look at this Alabama-LSU matchup for the last few seasons, it's come down to Alabama and LSU, who's winning the West, and you you sometimes, Alabama-Tennessee is that third Saturday in October rivalry game. You look at Alabama and Auburn in the Iron Bowl, of course, but here lately, especially with Nick Saban having won that national championship many moons ago at LSU, this, this game really determines probably for the last decade, not every single year, but I would say maybe eight out of ten years, who is winning the yeah. SEC West.
3: It's absolutely right. I mean, you think of it, Auburn will have a big year every you know, five, six, seven years, and I do think Coach Freeze is going to have a lot of success moving forward over there in Auburn but um but you're right Alabama and LSU has been a de facto SEC West championship game and this being the last year of divisional play it's only fitting that it almost certainly is going to have a huge say in, in who gets to the championship game Ole Miss is pro- is absolutely still in the picture too since they beat LSU and if, if LSU beats Alabama on Saturday night then Ole Miss will very much be still alive in that picture but Um, Yeah, I mean, you think of the way the game ended last year on a two-point play that decided who was going to go to Atlanta and decided it had all sorts of uh, college football playoff implications and basically eliminated Alabama from the college football playoff conversation earlier than they've been eliminated in many years. Um, That game was incredible in Tiger Stadium last year in Death Valley. And I expect a very similar type of game this year, maybe not as high scoring, but I do expect a, a game that'll be go down to the wire. I think these are evenly matched teams. It's it's strength on strength, and it's and it's to a degree, it could be weakness on weakness. I do think that Alabama's offense has gotten better, and Jalen Milrow has improved significantly as the season has gone along. Uh, but I still am a bit concerned with the turnovers. And while they did play better against Tennessee with uh, with not as many disciplined mistakes, pre-snap penalties. Um, I I do worry about that a little bit uh, for the Crimson Tide on Saturday night. LSU's defense is the biggest weakness in the game, but the biggest strength is probably LSU's offense. I think they have the best offense in the SEC, and Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, Going up against an Alabama defense that has been really good week by week, gotten better and better with a much better pass rush as the season has gone along. So you put all that together, and it feels like Maybe a special team's play or, or some sort of field goal could could win this game. I, I expect things to go to the wire in Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday night. I cannot wait to watch that. And and a shameless plug here, Corey, I've got the appetizer for that game uh, on Saturday. I've got Auburn versus Vanderbilt. Uh, I'll be calling that on SEC Network and Nashville on Saturday. And I do believe this is the beginning of Tigers. So it certainly could be against Vanderbilt on Saturday after the way they played against Mrs. Peyton Thorne had his best game. And I would expect him to play well on Saturday. And I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn is seven and four having won four consecutive games by the time they reach the iron bowl against alabama uh the saturday after thanksgiving
1: we're absolutely on the same page there and do look forward to catching your appetizer as my mom is a vanderbilt commodore graduate one of the few vanderbilt fans that you'll find sprinkled (laughs) in this neck of the woods and she lets me does not let me forget about it here and we do have here locally as a quarterbacks coach at mary g montgomery high school who I don't know if you know this Taylor or not is 10 and 0 for the first time in like maybe 50 years here Mary G Montgomery's program having an opportunity to host a football game but Kurt Page was the last starting quarterback that defeated Alabama when Alabama played Vanderbilt so there are still some Commodore ties here in Mobile Alabama and you do look at Auburn I I agree with you one thousand percent that they do have an opportunity to go on that run and it be one of those iron bowls that everybody just sits on the edge of their seat, and if it is a 2:30 CBS broadcast, it it'll hold people's attention right up until the fourth quarter, as this Alabama team has tended to do this entire year. Taylor?
3: Yeah, they have, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that Auburn-Alabama game goes down to the wire too, just like like you're saying. I mean, every week Alabama's in these close calls. And you know, let's—if Alabama wins on Saturday against LSU, and then they beat Kentucky the following week, then obviously that Auburn game will be to go to the SEC championship game, and I think they will get a huge fight from Auburn, who is significantly better at home than they've been on the road this year. And we just saw—we saw what they did against Georgia uh, just over a month ago, giving them a 60-minute fight. But if Alabama loses to LSU on Saturday night then, you know, you're going to talk about a nine and two Alabama team that probably has almost no chance to get to the SEC championship game. And who knows uh, what that means for Alabama by the time they play Auburn. But I, I do, I expect that game to be a close one at the end of the season. And and I, I do think that once Coach Freeze gets all his guys in there next year and in the years to follow, you're going to see a, an offense that is going to be one that Auburn fans are proud of. The defense has already played. Really well, creating a lot of turnovers this year. So I know that people want to see things immediately, and they probably have had some frustrating moments with some inept performances by Auburn's offense this year, but I think they're going to be better and better as the year continues. It'll be very exciting to see what happens in these last four weeks of the regular season. And you just mentioned that Auburn Alabama game. If it is on CBS, just a reminder that's the last ever. SEC regular season game on CBS, which is kind of crazy to think. I mean, that has been very much a part of our uh, of our history in this part of the country, and I just can't believe that's coming to an end here in the next few weeks.
1: Absolutely. I know we had Vern Lundquist on the show a couple of months ago, and he mentioned the same exact feelings that the time that he had prior to him retiring, the moments that he'll always remember and cherish there, bringing the broadcast into everyone's living room, and Taylor, with it being Halloween, a couple of Halloween questions for you. What's the best Halloween candy of all time for you
3: i'm a big reese's i'm a big reese's peanut butter cup guy i mean i love reese's any and this isn't just a, a promotion for the senior bowl I, I just love reese's peanut butter cup so uh if any if i ever got one of those that would be uh that would be my favorite thing to get
1: And let me ask you this, as far as your best costume growing up or a a costume that you've been able to put on one of your family members as they're growing up asking for the trick or the treats, what would that be? What's the best costume character you've had or one of your family members have had?
3: You know what? Um, I'm going to say that I've never really, you know, I've been thinking about this and at this stage of my life, a lot of people say that I resemble the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel. So I've been dressing up as Mike McDaniel on Sundays as a lifelong Dolphins fan. My dad moved to Mobile um, when he was in his 30s, but he grew up in Miami. So I've always been a big Miami fan. And um, so I'm very excited about the, what the Dolphins are doing this year. So I've been dressing up as Mike McDaniel each Sunday. So I'm going to say that that's my best costume is dressing up like him each week. You know, the, we, I, I can see people say it, and I can kind of see we do look similar, although he's a little skinnier than I am. But, um, yeah, my my children have had some incredible costumes as the years have gone on. They, always, they were always uh, some sort of Disney princess, uh, and I miss those days. They're now 17 and 18, so yeah. <laughs> they're not doing that anymore.
1: Understood there, Taylor. And once again, don't want anyone to miss out on the opportunity for you and Jim Nagy and Roman Harper and others to join Pritchard Preparatory Academy's fundraiser. Let everybody know again why you'll be coming to Mobile, Alabama. The who, the what, the when, the where, and the definite why.
3: Yeah, the Passion for Pritchard Prep event is tomorrow night. It's in the uh, Convention Center uh, with Roman Harper, Matt Stinchcomb, and Jim Nagy. We'll all be there and it's an opportunity for a live fundraiser um, where the, so all of the money goes towards Pritchard Prep and raising money for that school so the children in, in the Pritchard area can get the, the best education they possibly can get, and um, it's made a huge difference in that community. And, you know, some of the most successful people in Mobile, thanks to them, they have poured themselves into that Pritchard community and they've given back to people that aren't as fortunate as they are, and that to me is the biggest difference you can make as a person. And um, so I'm I'm very proud to be part of it. And yeah, we will be uh, we'll be there uh, at the convention center tomorrow night. I can't wait to be there and, and see a lot of family and friends.
1: Absolutely, Taylor. Thank you so much for giving back, and again, joining us here on WNSP 105.5. And can't thank you enough for your great coverage and your accessibility this afternoon and continuing to support a tremendous cause and look forward to not only catching you tomorrow but your broadcast on saturday as well and take care my friend
3: you too Corey. always good to be with you
1: taylor zarzer that is a ghost from wnsp's past sitting right here
2: where i'm sitting in the ghost somebody that's Not with us anymore, so he's still with us.
1: I guess when you think about it (laughs) here, Obi-Wan Kenobi style, the
2: force
1: is with us to where you can see his shadow figure looming large here in the studio. One
2: thing I do want to correct something he said, if Alabama beats LSU and Kentucky, they're already in the SEC Championship. He mentioned something about having to beat Auburn, Auburn. Mm -hmm. and that's not true. For the National Championship, yes, they would have to beat Auburn.
1: You're listening to the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Danny Cordy and Michael Bronner, across the glass. So we'll be right back.
5: This is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP.
2: Surprise he did the monster, the monster match it was a graveyard smash
1: welcome back to Not the final drive the on wnsp match. 105.5 corey labounty along did with the danny the M- cordy the the joining you on this halloween trick-or-treat the treat the edition the here on wnsp 105.5 mm-hmm. danny you look at the monster mash and thriller <laughs> and i was talking to taylor zarzer about what is his favorite costume was for him's daughters or his daughters and the disney characters of course and going back to what is or was your favorite halloween candy growing up my
2: my favorite halloween candy growing up was candy corn but but i agree with what taylor said i mean reese's pieces reese's cups i mean how can you go wrong with that i mean that's that's the best combination of 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 candy ever,
1: and, and Broner, what what about yourself, man? I- as far as what you really like, man, I- is it is is it the 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 candy, the chocolate candy? Do you like candy corn? Have you ever tasted candy corn?
4: Yeah, I've tasted candy corn. Mark and I talked about this this morning. We we're kind of in agreement. Like, I I don't have a passionate like or hatred for candy corn. If I'm not gonna go buy it, if it's there, I might. I might have a little handful of it. I'm a chocolate guy, like Hershey's, Reese's, Kit Kats, anything chocolate.
1: I'm Kit Kat and Snickers, and and Mm -hmm. I I like the miniature ones because now I can eat the whole bag and not feel guilty about it.
2: I mean, Almond Joys and Mounds I love, too. Now, those were were great ones growing
1: up as well, and we want to hear from you in the app. Make sure that you sound off in the app. What is the best Halloween candy of all time the best halloween candy of all time we would love to hear from you and i'm like i said snickers or kit kats to me the best combination of halloween candies and growing up danny i know my favorite halloween costume of all time would still be classic today it would be spider-man but it would be with the mask with the string around the back of it instead of an entire mask that you put over your face right and the string Every You know, you get too excited as a kid, pull it off, pull it on, pull it off. When it when it busts, Mom would just take a piece of yarn and strict, uh, tie it around there and, and make sure the yarn, because you weren't going to tear up the yarn. But your your favorite <laughs> Halloween
2: costume? Well, you know, growing up, I, I, I wasn't that much into Halloween. Okay. But, but when I was, it was always more sports-oriented. The one that I remember the most is I dressed up as Archie Manning as a New Orleans Saint. I had the Saints helmet, the number eight, the pants, and the whole thing and thought I was so cool.
1: Well, see, there it is. That that speaks to your Saints fandom right there. We'll talk about the New Orleans Saints as the show goes on because my man Danny Cordy here used to host one of the best Saints shows that we've ever had
2: here on the gulf coast well really it was the only saint show we hosted so i don't know (laughs) i'm not sure how good that is but we had a lot of fun the
1: the one and only is even (laughs) better danny the one and only is even better and what's going to make it pretty good here is our next guest mike scarborough owner and publisher at tigerbait.com will join us here next on the final drive on wnsp 105.5 the halloween edition of the final drive hi i'm michael
6: pierce nfl defensive tackle when i'm in the city of mobile you can normally find me at wnsp 105.5 it's
1: Welcome back to a Halloween edition of The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with my guest host Danny Cordy and Michael Bronner, are always doing a great job making sure that we stay on the air and getting our guests on time and producing the show whether it's the morning show or this one this week sitting in for triple g nick wiggins want to thank michael brauner for going above and beyond the call of duty makes for some long days for my man michael brauner just like there's been some long days awaiting the alabama versus lsu rematch which is what we're going to get in prime time here on cbs and we want to bring in mike scarborough the owner publisher and recruiting analyst at tigerbait.com mike how's everything going this afternoon afternoon
7: hey doing good uh you're right uh it's, it's um sometimes those open dates hit right but uh it always seems like uh, it takes forever to get here uh even though the season seems to have gone by pretty quickly so far
1: absolutely it's gone by very quickly and the lsu tigers coming in in the top 10, really a top five team in the country before they even kicked off against Florida State and things didn't go the way that they wanted to in the second half of that game and then all of a sudden it's kind of like the The Yipsies hit LSU from a defensive standpoint. The secondary gets slammed, and people say that LSU can't tackle and can't stop anybody. And I think they kind of took that to heart here within the last couple of weeks because they've turned that boat, that defensive ship around, and even without starting defensive tackle Makai Wingo being out with an injury over the last few weeks, this LSU Tiger defense has gotten better
7: they have they have but uh it's also you wonder how much of that is also uh an undermanned auburn team uh, certainly a very outmatched army team uh but first started to show some signs against missouri um of course uh you know we know what kind of season missouri's having right now but um a much taller order in in tuscaloosa uh, a revenge-minded Crimson Tide team, and certainly they're going to want to run the football. And so LSU's going to need to stop the run, and um, I think the defensive line is playing much better, the linebackers as well. Um, but the biggest worry defensively is certainly uh, LSU's defensive backs, and it, it, it's it's unbelievable uh, to have four or five cornerbacks that either are inactive or injured um and so what uh you know what order we see defensive backs or or, or, or what formula they come up with back there is going to be uh, very difficult so um they're going to hope that they can get uh, a lot of pressure on the quarterback and, and and make things easier for the defensive backs and then have an offense uh, that scores more touchdowns and field goals and and keeps the pedals to the metal
1: The pedal to the metal is something just what the – Coach Kelly is going to order for sure in, in having a prolific Heisman Trophy candidate in Jaden Daniels. And regardless of the two losses, he still kept his name in Heisman Trophy contention. And you're, you're just on, you're either on one side of the fence or the other in this. And if Jaden Daniels has that Heisman Trophy moment or moments, plural, against the Alabama Crimson Tide and defeating the number eight ranked team in the country, on their home field I think that this could be one of those Nick Saban said it yesterday in his press conference this guy absolutely killed us one year ago and they're going to try to make sure that they write that wrong but I think Jaden Daniels tell me if you're in this same boat with me can and potentially can make or break his Heisman Trophy push
7: oh absolutely Um, because of the two losses he has to have a typical Jaden Daniels game because he hasn't had a bad performance all year. His weakest performance was against Florida state and he was fantastic in that game. So, uh, he needs to have a typical Jaden Daniels performance and his team needs to win. Um, you know, we, we know what, uh, you know, Johnny Manziel did and, and a team that wasn't, uh, a an SEC championship game, uh, uh, attendee, um, but uh, you know, you you, you 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 I think he he needs to have a moment in primetime Saturday night.
1: I agree with you there. Now here's the situation: everybody's fixated on this LSU Alabama game as a battle for SEC West supremacy. Yes, you look at LSU having that one loss in the SEC West, Alabama with none, but. Facing LSU, even if they're able to defeat the Crimson Tide, you still have the Florida Gators and Texas A&M, which could be the teller there in the last week there, the 25th of November, about let's say the LSU Tigers do defeat the Alabama Crimson Tide, and Alabama's only loss running through is their only loss to LSU. There still could be some things and scenarios that could still happen in the SEC West because Alabama then would only have that one head-to-head loss with LSU, and then LSU would still have that SEC West loss to Ole Miss and or Texas A&M. Yeah, uh,
7: and and Florida. um, You know, a lot of people are liking the way uh, Florida's been playing of late, minus the the Georgia game, but... um, it was a weird scheduling this year. Um, LSU had so many road games the first half of the season, and but other than the Alabama, this Alabama game, uh, the majority of the games are at home. So you do get Florida at home, and you do get A and M at home, and uh, we'll see what happens between A and M and Old Miss this weekend. Uh, but A and M hasn't won an SEC road game in two years, so. Uh, and after what happened last year, uh, I think it's going to be a tall order for a and But look, you, you, you're right, though. You, you never know. It, it, it's not over until it happens. And certainly uh, LSU's uh, road to winning out is more difficult than Alabama's.
1: Absolutely, that's the case there. But what would it mean for Brian Kelly and this LSU Tigers program to go back-to-back in the SEC West? We know things didn't go their way in the SEC championship game against the back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs, but what would it mean to this program?
7: Uh, I I think it would just, you know, I really think it would would mean a lot to him, but it also kind of meets expectations despite – Having several losses, I had shoot 11 and one in the preseason, um, and I think part of it was, was because I thought the defensive line was going to be play play better than they did, and I thought with all the additions they had a corner, they would come up with a couple of guys that could at least get the job done. Uh, but when Jimmy Lindsay went down with uh, his medical emergency at the beginning of the uh, of, of August, the day before fall camp started. Uh, it was a domino effect. And so it it really is a shame because, you know, Brian Kelly said it several times. I mean, we all know what the 2019 uh, LSU team did in that offense. But this LSU offense this year is right there with them uh, as far as potency. And there is no weak link on that LSU offensive side of the ball. The offensive line is uh, one of the best – I've seen in 20 years at LSU and they're deep and now you get Emory Jones back um, so running backs, wide receivers tight ends uh, a Heisman Trophy contender, a quarterback in and in a very strong backup uh, you've got everything you want there so it's, it's been a matter all season of man, if you could just get mediocre defense that's all you need and so I think it's still more the same if you can just get to mediocre or below average or play above your head and get average defense on Saturday, you can win the game. Mike you gotta, Scarborough. You've to have multiple stops, and you can't have Jorge Ramos coming out and kicking field goals because you didn't put seven on the board in the red zone.
1: Mike and, Scarborough, our guest this afternoon here on the final drive, and didn't mean to go ahead, go ahead and finish. I didn't mean to stop you right there. You no, know, I, I, I was done. Mike Scarborough, our guest this afternoon here on The Final Drive, and he is the owner, publisher, and recruiting analyst at TigerBait.com, which is a tremendous source for all of your LSU Tiger athletic needs there. And today is Halloween. With that being said, been asking our guest this afternoon here, what is your favorite Halloween candy of all time?
7: Um... I'm probably a little bit of an oddball, but I like the 100 grand.
1: 100 grand, man. Nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a blast from the past. That's something you don't hear all the time. And if you had to pick your favorite Halloween costume of all time growing up, what would it be for you?
7: Uh, It's probably the one I wore Saturday night, Willy Wonka, and I might wear it on our live show tonight.
1: Absolutely, love. If you want to see a little Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory going on, how can you tune, Mike, how can all our LSU fans and all our listeners who want to see a great Halloween costume tune into that?
7: Yeah, uh, LSU Tigers on Tiger Bait is our YouTube channel, and Buddy Sanji and I are going to go live at 8 o'clock and. He's daring me to wear it. I, had, I wore it to our Halloween party Saturday night, and uh, he, he shouldn't have dared me because I'm likely to do
1: it. Watch out for those Oompa Loompas, whatever you do. And, again, hope you yeah. have a great Halloween and see and witness an outstanding football game this Saturday at Brian denny Stadium. And we'll be talking to you again very soon, Mike. Tom, Talk soon. Happy Halloween. Same to you. Mike Scarborough, owner, publisher, and recruiting analyst at TigerBait.com. And when we come back, we'll fire it up with my man Danny Cordy. And there's so many things going on at the Mobile Sports Authority. And, you know, football on Fridays, those Friday night lights, we're going to give Danny Cordy an opportunity to give a shout-out to a special Friday night football superstar here on WNSP 105.5.
3: Hey everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 10515.
1: Yeah, I was waiting for that line to hit.
2: My favorite halloween music
1: it, it really is and, and you can't go october 31st without having this great halloween intro music core LeBounty, along with danny cordy joining you this afternoon can't thank danny enough for taking time out of his schedule to join me here in studio Glad michael brauner bringing it up and great selection there brauner of bringing up a little halloween music there and and Danny, I know that we feature Friday Night Lights here on WNSP High School Football like none other, and we have our Bryant Bank Player of the Week that we present each and every week, but this week's Bryant Bank Player of the Week has some ties to yourself.
2: <laughs> Shameless family plug coming. <laughs> I, 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 again, with, with, with sitting here, I, I've, I've got to congratulate uh, a family member, a cousin of mine, Martin Cordy with St. Michael's last Friday night scored six touchdowns and was named the Bryant Bank Player of the Week. And that's pretty cool. He got none of that athletic ability from me. So <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I want to okay. congratulate Martin and say what a great job. And and he's really had a good year for St. Michael's. So uh, it's uh, hopefully we'll see it on uh, on on TV this I guess tonight or tomorrow night.
1: Tomorrow night, Saint Michael having an opportunity to make the playoffs for the first time in school history, which I think is kind of cool. And history is always being made at the Mobile Sports Authority. Each and every month here, as we're getting ready to turn the calendar tomorrow to November one, I know it's a full month of events scheduled for the Mobile Sports Authority.
2: Well, Corey, I, again, I really appreciate you You even mentioning it. Yes, we're, this, is, this is sort of – we have several busy times a year. This is sort of the first busy time. We had the Gulf Coast Challenge three weeks ago, which really started off our fiscal year. We start October 1. Now we get into November. This weekend we have the Port City Classic, which we'll talk to Tim Hale about in a little while, which is grambling coming in and playing Alabama State. That's going to be a a good event for us. But not only that, we have 11 other events between now and the end of December with Alabama Community College Volleyball Tournament, the championship of the state for for junior college. We have uh, uh, the Battleship Invitational Rugby, the 44th annual tournament out there at the battleship. Mm -hmm. So it's always cool to go when you're heading over I-10, you look over there and see all that going on. The AHSAA South Regional Cheer Competition. We're trying to get more and more AHSAA events, whether they be regionals or championships. So we're real real happy to have that. Gulf Coast Clash High School Wrestling Tournament. We started this about four or five years ago with a coach named JT Gosnell. I believe he's down at Gulf Shores now. And when we started it, nobody knew what high school wrestling was. There might have been two or three teams around here. But now that's that is growing and also with girls mm-hmm. so there'll be girls teams playing at the civic center on november 17th 18th along with the hsaa south regional swimming and diving meet at bishop state we've been doing that for several years the lions park turkey day tennis classic and in uh, on the on november 19th the public public's battleships 12k run which Daphne had been hosting over the years, but we moved it over here, changed up the route a little bit, and the host hotel will be in Mobile. At least 1,000 runners usually running that uh, right around Veterans Day. And that's just a few things. Then we get into December, volleyball, and our good old North-South All-Star football game coming in to Hancock-Whitney and looking forward to that too.
1: Plenty of events going on from a sporting standpoint. The Mobile Sports Authority and Danny Cordy and his – fine staff that he has working with him do a tremendous job facilitating these events and like you said the junior College State Championships coming. My partner, Al Whedon, will have a chance to be the PA announcer for that event that starts this coming Friday. Well, really Thursday, and then he'll be there Friday and Saturday as well and going into championship play. So that's always great. And all the local AHSAA events that are moving down here, whether you have the new bowling state championships that are now going to be here held in mobile alabama as well, well
2: late january in
1: late january so so that's huge news and once again you see the north south rosters that are going have already been named for those teams to be showing up and every other year we do host the alabama mississippi all-star game this year it's scheduled to be in hattiesburg but coming back This way here next year.
2: We'll be back to back next year with Alabama, Mississippi, and North South. So it's, or just the opposite, North South, and then Alabama, Mississippi.
1: So again, great things that are going on here within the Mobile Sports Authority, within the Mobile Sports Authority. And I think that when you look at Mobile as a whole being a destination standpoint, Taylor Zarzer, who we had on earlier as a guest, mentioned that he finds a way to mention. Mobile, and work that into pretty much every ESPN broadcast I think that's that he great. Has.
2: That's fantastic.
1: And, and that's just taking pride in, in representing the 251 in our city. And, uh, you know, you're not going to find a bigger advocate than the person sitting to my right and Danny Cordy uh, and the staff that you have that continue to make sure that tourism and sports are going hand in hand for the port city
2: well you and i were talking off the air what i admire about taylor was he had a passion for being in sports broadcasting he went out and chased that passion i was a i was a stockbroker for years didn't like it i said my passion is sports found a way to lead the sports tourism agency of the city and county mobile and i love what i do we have the great backing by the city and the county and it's it's a lot of fun to see this come to fruition
1: chris gordy will be our first guest in our number two in a halloween edition of the final drive here on wnsp 105.5 and as well as tim hill joining us right around 4 30 and from 5 to 6 o'clock chavis furniture talking football with scott hunter and tracy turner entering the building from 5 to 6 o'clock hope everyone's enjoying this blustery Halloween weather and get the trick-or-treating in before it gets dark because it's going to get downright cold. We'll be right back for hour number two.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents for the win, the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the Win. Yeah! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I got five pieces of candy. I got a chocolate bar. I got a quarter. I got a
1: rock. (laughs) All right, our next guest is Chris Gordy, locked on SEC. And Chris, we we love to that old game show, Name That Tune, but on this one, I'm going to rename it, Name That Tune cartoon that's iconic can you do that for me Chris Gordy
5: well, you're talking to a guy who spent his, his high school and college years working at Blockbuster. So of course it's uh was it the great the great pumpkin Charlie Brown or something like that?
1: Absolutely one hundred percent correct. Ding 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 ding, you win that prize for sure. And that's an iconic and classic Halloween film, and people can say, you know, whether it's from a horrific standpoint in child's play or Freddy Cougar or Halloween, that to me is the all time Halloween classic. And with Charlie Brown waiting in that pumpkin patch and waiting in that pumpkin patch, Chris, you know we're not having to wait any longer, uh, like they do in the pumpkin patch on Charlie Brown's Halloween, for the Alabama LSU matchup that we're all looking forward to seeing this weekend. And we're gonna we're gonna get your thoughts on this Alabama LSU matchup coming up. SEC Media Days feels like it was just a week ago, and. People were talking about LSU winning the West, but ultimately the media members, including myself, more people picked Alabama than LSU, and it kind of shocked a lot of the country, but now it boiling down to Alabama and LSU coming down here in Tuscaloosa this week. What are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, well, that's, that's the funny thing is back in the summer, I think a lot of us picked Georgia-Alabama the SEC title game. And wouldn't it wouldn't be something if, Mizzou and LSU both win this weekend. Uh they would both be in the driver's seat. We could get an LSU Mizzou SEC championship game and a rematch of a game we saw a few weeks ago. So would be kind of funny. But uh no, I mean it's 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 kind of uh, It's kind of poetic here in this all Hollows Eve. Of course, Nick Saban's birthday. Talking about the biggest game of the year, and it always kind of seems to follow on the schedule in the same week. And there's been a, you know, when we talk about tricks or treats, there's been a lot more treats for Alabama fans in this rivalry than tricks. Uh, But for LSU, man, not the greatest news yesterday, where it comes out that Brian Kelly talks to the media, and we knew Zy Alexander got injured just before halftime in that Army game. And come to find out he's going to be out and going to be out for a couple of weeks. He's been LSU's best cover corner. And this has been on a defense that has not been very good overall. Uh, then we find out Deuce Chestnut and Denver Harris, who have been kind of in and out of the, the lineup and, you know, throughout the season. Neither of those guys are available in this game. And Makai Wingo, one of their best D linemen, he uh, is injured. He had surgery in the bye week and he is out for the rest of the season. So, It's an LSU defense, like I said, that was already banged up. They're going to be leaning on some freshmen and sophomores to play defensive back in this game. Uh, Sage Ryan is probably going to man one side of the field, but it's probably going to be some combination of LaTerrence Welch and Ashton Stamps having to play that other cornerback spot. And if I'm, you know, Amari Dyblock, Isaiah Bond, and Jermaine Burton, I'm looking my chops at that idea, saying, yeah, I can beat any of those guys. So, it's not great for LSU. Um, you know they still have some names. Obviously Mason Smith and Harold Perkins are the two big ones that I think uh, can be difference makers for LSU. But the more and more I start looking at this lineup, the more and more I think this is going to be a shootout. That this could very end up being looking a lot like that that Alabama-Tennessee game from a year ago that finished 52-49. I think we need to get that type of game because I think the the good news for LSU is their whole complement of their offense is is back healthy. Emory Jones is back in. Uh, the right tackle, he's going to be back in this one. And everybody else, it's basically the same cast of characters uh, on the same LSU team a year ago that beat Alabama, from Mason Taylor to Gene Daniels, Malik Nabors, uh, Brian Thomas Jr. is, you know, taking a big step forward as a number two receiver, and they've added Logan Diggs, who's kind of an upgrade at running back. So I think LSU's offense is going to be able to score in Tuscaloosa. I get it, it's a night game, but uh, Alabama's defense has been really good, maybe not elite, but really good this year. But I think LSU is seasoned enough that they're going to score some points. But on the flip side, I think Jalen Milrow is going to have a field day you know, with the Alabama offense. I think they're going to be able to score a ton of points. So I think this is going to be a shootout. And it very well may be the first team to make the big mistake. Who You know, who throws the big interception or has the big fumble and causes a big turnover for their team could be the difference maker in this game.
1: Looking forward to that game Saturday in primetime in Tuscaloosa. And in- – you look at this Missouri-Georgia game, Missouri, really the story of the SEC, 7-1, and battling the Bulldogs at 8-0, and and we saw the last contender there that Georgia ran up against in the SEC East being the Kentucky Wildcats a few weeks ago, and, and they just absolutely ran through the Kentucky Wildcats to show why they are the number one ranked team in the country. Do you expect them to show and flex their muscles in the SEC East again and really pull away and be that elite, true number one team in the country?
5: Well, here's the thing. This season, every time we question Georgia, they show up and show out. I mean, a few weeks back, everybody was picking, or a lot of people were picking Kentucky to pull off the upset over them. Uh, They go out and dominate Kentucky and win it in an exciting fashion. They kind of struggle, you know, or, they didn't cover the number against Vanderbilt. You know, didn't win as big as people thought. And so a week ago, what did we start hearing people start picking? Oh, you know what? I think Florida can upset Georgia in this one. And what do they do? They go out there and smack them around for three and a half quarters, and, and Georgia wins big. So what I need everybody to do this week is just, and Corey, is everybody pick Georgia? Right? Everybody just say it's Big Bad Georgia. <laughs> Not one person should be picking Missouri this week because the minute you do, the minute we start buying into the hype and going, you know what? I think Mizzou can beat this Georgia team, right? I mean, they they had them beat a year ago. They outplayed them for three quarters. That's a better. Finally put together some scores late, and Georgia got out of Missouri with a win, but Missouri outplayed them, and now their offense is even better. He's got this thing humming. Brady Cook's playing great. Luther Burton, uh, Cody Schrader's one of the best rushers in the SEC. Like You really start to look at it, and you could talk yourself into Missouri actually having a chance this one but we can't say it out loud because if we say it out loud georgia's going to hear it and they're going to come out win 50 to 3 so uh i'm picking georgia everybody should be picking georgia and uh who knows maybe we turn that game on saturday afternoon and mizzou finds themselves in a dogfight with georgia just like they were a year ago
1: Uh, look that would be great for television and television rankings for sure cbs 230 kickoff and you, you do look at Auburn finding a way, deciding as the head coach, Hugh Freeze, says, I'm just going to go with the one quarterback system. And Auburn throws for 230 and rushes for over 140 and find that balance in both passing and running. They get their first SEC win of the season, not to the shock of a lot of people because Mississippi State, even though they're 4-4, four and four, Auburn still needed that win at home for sure. But Auburn now... Is it a trap game with Vanderbilt? Because Vandy, you know, the Commodores, they're that team that can play and showed by really throwing a first couple of punches against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I think that Auburn, though, when you look at their schedule, they're right on course for seven and four to go ahead and win their next four games with that setup for the Iron Bowl.
5: Yeah, the the problem with that is, 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 like I've said that this weekend too. You know, I've said to Auburn. You know, hey, there's a chance that they they could win these next three games and be sitting at seven and four going into the Iron Bowl. I I just don't think we can automatically do that because of how Auburn's looked this year. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm happy that Peyton Thorne finally put it all together. Finally, looked like the quarterback that they recruited from Michigan State. But it, but it was one game, and it was against Mississippi State, and so. I still got Auburn slated at 6 and 6. I picked them to finish last in the SEC West. We'll see what happens in Mississippi State. But they're kind of in the same boat with some of these other teams in the SEC that are kind of looking at the schedule, going, all right, can I just get two more wins? Can I find two more wins here to get me to a bowl game? Um, you're right. I mean, Vandy is a team that Auburn should go in there and beat. But, you know, I, I think Vandy was looking at the schedule this year and going, look, this is going to be a brutal schedule for us. Where's a winnable game? Hey, look, there's Auburn in a transition year. And, you know, if they're looking at the film from Auburn for the first few weeks, they may be saying the same thing this week. They're going, this is a beatable Auburn team. We can we can get our first SEC win this week. So, um, yeah, this is definitely one you don't want to take lightly if you're Hugh Freeze. Whatever you did last week, I would do that again uh, with the offensive approach. It's not been great this year, but uh, it finally started to look good. Jarquist Hunter, we got to get him over 100 yards again, and... And and, and I don't know what happened, but suddenly Peyton Thorne had chemistry with his receivers for the first time all year. So whatever you did a week ago, do that again. Uh, Ron Roberts has done a great job with this defense. I expect them to have a game plan ready for Vandy. We'll see uh, who ends up being the quarterback, if it's Ken Seals again or whatever. But, um, you know, again, you're right. This is what Auburn should win, but let's pause on putting three straight W's in the the win column for Auburn here because I don't think we could do that just yet.
1: Texas A&M and Ole Miss now with Texas A&M traveling to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin you look at A&M still being at five and three and to me this is one of those games to where Ole Miss coming off of that 33 to 7 win against Vanderbilt I know Texas A&M coming off that big win against South Carolina but the heat does it continue to stay on Jimbo Fisher if he's at five and four, or you look at Ole Miss r- being ranked 11th in the country, their only loss being to the Crimson Tide. What are you looking out of and your expectations for this game?
5: Yeah, I think when we look at the schedule, they are they're they got two wins after this one. And the two losses I think they have are at Oxford this weekend, and then they finish the season at LSU. And, and I had somebody – An Aggie friend told me the other day, oh, we've we've beaten LSU a couple times in recent years. I said, yeah, but you've never done it in Baton Rouge. Since A&M has come to the conference, they've never beaten LSU there. So, um, to me, if they could win this one, it would be a huge feather in the cap of, of Jimbo. I think they would end up going 8-4, and four, and that would be fantastic. If he loses this weekend at Oxford and then loses in bad words to finish the year, that's 7-5. and five. Is that good enough for Jimbo to keep his job? I've had people tell me yes. I've had people tell me no, the boosters are ready to write the check. They'll pay the buyout. They just want to get rid of him. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, this this is a pivotal game for Jimbo because the defense is really good. I mean, we heard Lane Kiffin yesterday raving about him saying my God, how does this team have three losses? Like, we're looking on film, and the defensive players, Edgar and Cooper, is an absolute stud. He's got seven sacks already, probably going to finish with double digits before the year is up. Uh, they got, you know, dudes all over the place. On offense, and Smith, another 100-yard game a week ago. Uh, really, the only place they're lacking is Max Johnson. I think Bobby Petrino's done a pretty good job overall with coaching him up and getting the most out of him. So, yeah, this is a big one. It's 11 a.m. It's in Oxford. We'll see how sleepy Ole Miss is in this one, but... I'm really curious to see that A&M defensive front get after Jackson Dart, and if they're plugging some holes and stopping Quinshon Judkins in that run game, and they got to force Jackson Dart to throw, if they're covering those receivers downfield, it could be a long day for uh, for Jackson Dart, all Miss. So, going to be really interesting to see how that one plays out Saturday morning.
1: In games that really are or shouldn't be close games, South Carolina playing Jacksonville State, and South Carolina favored by 15 and a half. I know Coach Beamer and the Gamecocks have had their problems, but easy win for the Gamecocks of South Carolina, that think,
5: is. Yeah, I don't think so. What's Jacksonville State? Aren't they like seven and two or something like their, their record is like pretty pretty strong. Like that, I, I was on a radio show last week around that area. and They were telling me they're like, watch out for Jacksonville State. Like they're they're going to be bringing it. So. Yeah, um South Carolina still has no O line and no D line and, and they can't protect Spencer Radler. They can't give him time to throw and I thought Spencer Radler had a real interesting approach. After he got sacked by A and M four times this past weekend, he said, You know what? I'm gonna throw the ball away. I'm gonna, gonna let you get, you know, sack me. <laughs> and instead he gets he gets called for not one, not two, but three intentional grounding. I just thought that was really funny. It's like no, I'm not letting you have the sack. I'm gonna, you know, throw intentional grounding here and take the penalty over the sack, but uh Nonetheless, it was just kind of um, you know they're in trouble. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not automatically putting in the W for Spencer Rattler and and uh, Shane Beamer in South Carolina. They should be Jacksonville State, but that's not as gimme as a, of a cupcake as it, as you once thought it would be.
1: Arkansas, Florida, the Razorbacks, and Sam Pittman—they just can't get over that hump. Uh, do they go to two and seven and the pressure cooker to where Pittman may turn into bacon bits at the end of the season?
5: Arkansas schedule is winnable from here on out. Like, they've got some easier games. So, if they can win this one, I know it's tough winning on the road in the swamp, but maybe Florida's having a little bit of a hangover from their loss, you know, to Georgia a week ago, and maybe they're not, you know, ready to go. But on the flip side of your Florida, you're trying to get the bowl eligibility, and I know you've got five wins already. All you need is one more win, but go look at the rest of Florida's schedule. It's brutal. So, to me, if I'm Florida, I'm almost looking at this and going, this is a must win for us. We have to win this game if we want to get to at least 6-6 six and six. because after this, they, they still have to play LSU. They have to play Florida State. I mean, it's a brutal schedule for Florida. So, uh, yeah, this is an important win for both teams. Uh, if if uh, Sam Pittman loses this one and, and loses out, I had somebody tell me a long time ago, they said, I don't care who you are, you go winless in the SEC, no matter what coach you are, you should be fired, and so if Sam Pittman does do that, if he goes winless the rest of the way, I don't know, man. I I think you have to pull the trigger probably and say you're fired. I mean, you know, Chad Morris was god-awful years ago. Um, You know, we've seen Vandy do it, but Arkansas, there's no excuse to go winless in the conference. Come on.
1: Chris Gordy, our guest here on the Final Drive, host of Locked on SEC, and one of the last matchups here, Kentucky and Mississippi State. We saw the Bulldogs... Really not be able to put anything together against the Auburn Tigers, and we saw them defeat Arkansas seven to three, like watching paint dry. But Kentucky going into Stark Vegas, I don't see it. the line just says three and a half. What is what is that all about?
5: Well, I think I think history's on Mississippi State's side here. Mark Stoops is zero and five, I believe, in his career in going to Starkville. This is one of those weird games. And I love the history here because my wife's a Kentucky fan and she hates this game. She like will not claim Mississippi state. It, remember when they were divvying everybody up, when they added A&M in Missouri to the conference and they were trying to find everybody a dance partner. They're like, all right, here's your rivalry. We've got to preserve this rivalry here. We've got to preserve that rivalry there. And, you know, okay. we well, you know, Alabama, they got to play Tennessee. And of course, Auburn and Georgia got to preserve that one. And after they did all that, they looked at her like, what do we have left over? Well, Kentucky and Mississippi State, I guess we'll put them together. It's just funny because it's a, it's a quote-unquote rivalry game that's not a rivalry at all. Like, neither team really cares about the other one. But it is funny that, yeah, Mark Stoops has not won there in Starkville, so this is a big, big game for his squad. You know, they start the season 5-0, and and now they're on a three-game losing streak at 5-3. and They have to find a win this week. That, that would just go a long way in getting their confidence back and feeling better about themselves. And for Mississippi State, I don't even know who their quarterback is. I mean, you know, Mike Wright, who's been subbing in for the injured Will Rogers, has not been very good. Uh, and there's been talk about maybe benching him. So uh, we'll see. There's, you know, there's some talk, I think, is that Chris Parsons, their uh, uh, younger freshman quarterback, like maybe he gets a shot. But, um, again, to me, this is Kentucky, Ray Davis, and Devin Littering Company. They have to go win at Starkville this weekend.
1: Well, I know that in the SEC, you're always going to have a Heisman Trophy candidate. And those one, the definite one up front is Jaden Daniels from LSU. And I know you have a dark horse in there. Carson Beck, (laughs) do you really think Carson Beck can, at the end of the year, find a way to get an invitation to New York? I mean, look at him last
5: week. No Brock Bowers, no problem. He just starts dumping it to Ladd McConkie and the rest of the guys and put up a, a butt whoop at a Florida week ago. You know? So, yeah, I do think, I mean, as as we start to – the dominoes start to fall. Jaden Daniels, even if he plays well but loses to Alabama this week, I think he's out of the race, uh, you know, with a third loss. And uh, I think we start to look around. Okay, Michael Kenick's at Washington, Bo Nix at Oregon uh there's been some talk of jj mccarthy in michigan that's a bunch of trash michigan hasn't played anybody I, you uh, you don't get a heisman trophy when you haven't even played a, wi- or a ranked opponent yet so um yeah big process elimination we start to look around we go all right i mean best player on the best team carson beck uh putting up the best numbers week in week out i think he does end up getting invited to new york now, i don't know if he'll win it i do have a Vegas bet on him to win it but uh We'll see, man. I mean, this thing always kind of November is where the dominoes start to fall. We start to figure out who the Heisman Trophy winner is. Keep in mind, you know, we go back to 2019 when LSU was playing Alabama that week. The buzz was still on 2 up. Nobody was really talking yet about Joe Burrow as the Heisman guy, and it took that win over Alabama to put him into the driver's seat, and he went on to win it. So uh, November is where we find out who our greats are, and so we'll figure that out this month. But, yeah, if Carson Beck, playing like this, man. He absolutely deserves a seat at the table.
1: Chris the the big question for you what is the best halloween candy of all time
5: Oh gosh I mean you know it's 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 anything you know I like the mini snickers anything you can hold in your hand and snack on the mini bags of m&ms are great you know I think you can't you can't go wrong with the traditional chocolate I'm I'm more of that uh, those weird candies that were just in the generic black and orange wrappers that nobody really knew what it was called uh, those kind of sucked. And, and anybody giving out fruit? And we had an old lady in our neighborhood who used to give out fruit on on Halloween. Nobody wants a pear tonight. We want candy. We want chocolate. And, um, <laughs> and people like my wife who make up the little baggies. My wife made up baggies of like five or six different candies in it. Those are jackpots. So uh, hopefully, there's a lot of those out there tonight.
1: Chris, I I will have to share this story. This is the funny Halloween thing. As a kid, if you're in a if you're in a situation to where those Those families who don't like to come to the door, they just leave the Halloween candy on the front porch and and, and just allow you to take as much as you like. How long do you think that lasts?
5: Well, there's no honor system anymore. This is in nineteen thirty five. So yeah, I mean look, if you're putting the whole thing out there, it's fair game. If I want eight handfuls of take eight handfuls. That's
3: on
1: you. Chris, also, what's what's the best Halloween costume that you grew up wearing? Mine was Spider Man with the little string on the back of the mask, and, and that was one of my favorites of all time. And to this day, Spider Man now they have the full mask that you put over your head and droops down to your neck. But what was your go to childhood halloween costume
5: well my favorite one and and this would not be socially acceptable today but in 1995 i bought at the local party city an oj simpson mask and went as oj simpson for halloween carried the knife and everything and uh that was an iconic one you can't really get away with that nowadays but uh that was that was a great one that was very topical at the time i was very intrigued by the the bronco chase as a
1: kid how you like them apples Chris Gordy, also known as the juice. The juice is loose for sure there for Chris Gordy. And, Chris, if people want to follow all your tremendous coverage of everything that goes on really in the state of Texas, especially there in Houston, and be locked on the SEC, how can everyone follow you?
5: Uh, yeah, just locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube we got the video version up there as well. Talking all things SEC, and man, a big, big weekend in the conference. So make sure you are checking it out. We'll be breaking down the LSU Bama game all week, and uh, yeah, I am going to go check out some OJ uh, Twitter videos because he's the man on Twitter now.
1: <laughs> that is true. He is indeed still receiving those clicks, uh, and people still <laughs> intrigued by one OJ Simpson. Appreciate your time, Chris, and definitely look forward to catching up with you again next Tuesday. All right. Thanks, it. Chris Gordy joining us here on this Halloween edition of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. When we come back, we'll talk to our special guest, Tim Hale, the executive director, not only of the Gulf Coast Challenge, but the Port City Classic, as well as that event, both of those events, powered by the Mobile Sports Authority so Danny Cordy sitting in studio with me on this Halloween edition. We'll talk to Tim Hale next here on the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5
0: This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5 Roll Tide and God bless
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Michael Brauner joining you on this Let It Marinate Monday. And I know that when Deion Sanders took over the head coaching job of the Colorado Buffaloes, you have the prime effect that took place. Colorado off to that fast 3-0 and start on the season and then they become humbled by Oregon and USC and Almost get beat by Arizona State. They do lose that two overtime lead to to Stanford and wind up losing that game. And this past week, Deion Sanders makes his first trip ever to the Rose Bowl. And his Buffaloes have no luck in losing to UCLA 28-16, Bronner. And now you do look at Colorado, smack it four and four playing Oregon State, but if you thought the loss was bad, man, how about somebody goes into Colorado's locker room while they're there at the Rose Bowl and steals all of their valuables, all their jewelry, because we saw Shadur and how he's been iced out and some of the other players with all their necklaces and chains, but somebody came in and racked up there in the Rose Bowl during their game with ucla
4: yeah i saw that i don't know how something like that happens in like a major Security. college football locker room in in 2023 that's uh in the rose that's, bowl that's something but yeah not not a great headline to read as for colorado not great football either
1: what, what are they gonna are they gonna be able to get to bowl eligibility i mean now you're looking at they have oregon state arizona washington state and utah now, out of those, you're you only looking at Oregon State coming off that loss this weekend. Now they're six and two, so you know they're going to be angry and upset. The Beavers going to look to paddle the Buffaloes. Arizona is five and three; they're not horrible. Washington's four and four, and Utah getting waxed by Bo Nix and Oregon. So, will they get to six wins?
4: Probably not. Honestly, uh, they're not going to beat Oregon State. They could beat Arizona, maybe, because it's at home. But Arizona's had a nice season. Washington State on the road. It's not an easy game, and and they have no chance going on the road against Utah. So, I mean, winning two out of those last four is pretty difficult. Uh, So, I I would guess probably not. You could say, I mean, they got a shot this week against Oregon State because it's at home. But uh, Oregon State's good. Arizona's been decent. They had a big win this weekend. I, I don't give him really much of a shot at Washington State and I give him no shot at Utah, so
1: Well, you know, how many times did Shadur Sanders get sacked this weekend?
4: I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it was a lot. And well, it, it, was, the headline.
1: it was more than than what primetime Deion Sanders would have liked to have seen. And because of it, you look at he was sacked three times total. He was tackled for a loss five times, and you look at the number of hits and the tackles for loss that he took, does Deion Sanders, can he develop talent? We know he can recruit talent. We know what kind of athletes his sons are, okay? We know what kind of athlete his daughter is. But can he coach talent, or is he just going to listen to this clip right here, what he feels about his current team?
8: really do. Coach, you mentioned the, the coaching
4: aspect of it as well. Yes, sir. Specifically with the offensive line, I mean, what has to improve in that aspect besides from
8: – The mid- line. The line has to improve. There ain't no aspect. The line has to improve. Coach, we talked
9: about run-pass balance a lot. Yeah. I think it was up until that last drive, you had maybe seven carries with running backs. compared like 34 passes. Yeah. How, how much is, is – of that as a struggle for you guys right now? This well, it's a, a the around around. it's a
8: struggle to run the ball. It's a struggle to run the ball. And uh, we, we got to figure figure that out, because now you're, you're one-dimensional. And it's easy to stop a team when they're one-dimensional. And that's who we are at this point in time. Could tomorrow, what
1: well, was could Being able to commit
8: to that, you talked about running the Commit to what? Running the could, could that help? I, I think we committed to it on, on a first down. And we were second and 15. Right. Those are the type of things you don't want to do and get behind the eight ball. First downs are so vital. First downs are. Everything. I mean, first downs are when we held them um, statistically on first downs. It, it was hard for them to move the ball as well. And uh, when we're getting negative yards on first down, that's a tremendous loss because now you know you're going to throw the ball on second down, and they're they're calling their defenses pertaining to that loss. I just asked
9: that in terms of the big picture, trying to
1: keep Shadur upright, healthy, overall.
9: The big
8: picture, you go get new lemon That's the that's big the picture. picture. And I'm gonna paint it perfectly.
1: That's the big picture. He's gonna paint that perfectly for everyone to see. You go get new linemen if you're a current offensive lineman. How does that make you feel, Broner? He said he was bringing his own luggage yeah. and he wasn't complaining about that O-line in the first three weeks. He, he yeah, that he was working with that Louis luggage in the first three weeks, but 24 mm. rushing attempts total of 25 yards yes mm. that, that can be misleading with the negative yardage that gets attributed for the sacks but 24 carries for 25 rushing yards yes I would say that's about as one-dimensional as you can get
4: I, I, I'm i back and forth on this one because like on one hand yeah you bring up uh, the, the obvious saying that you know, how would you feel if you're a current offensive lineman yeah. on the team? But also at the same time, the offensive line stinks. Uh I I mean, I say this as someone who's given Dion his his fair share of criticism and, you know, openly stated I'm not the biggest fan of his like on one hand I I think that the hype train obviously I mean you can ridiculous. see clearly uh, you can see clearly it was out of control ridiculous. those first couple of weeks the the team is not very good and wasn't very good <laughs> I, I mean obviously you beat TCU week 1 and it was a nice story TCU has kind of been been a uh it's certainly a shell of what they were last year sure. um so obviously it was the the hype was out of control those first couple of weeks they're not very good uh maybe they'll be better next year I don't know I mean, Dion has done a fine job with this Absolutely. team. They, 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 they were horrible. I,
1: they've been horrible. Done a wonderful job. I can't take that away from him. What I don't like, though, is look. Instead of saying I want to take this offensive line and we must improve, yeah, I just want to replace you. That's what I'm going to do. I just want to replace you. I'm not going to make you get better. I'm not going to put it on my coaches. Hey, that's on me. That's on my coaches. We have to make our players better. We have to find a way to keep our guys upright. I have to find a way to keep my son upright. That's the only thing I don't like. I don't like the fact that you just want to say, I'm just going to replace them. Because, yes, what, 50 to 60 guys portaled in and came in. So, he did what he wanted to do it with that roster, okay, which was a one-win team. And because they are a one-win team now with four, having an opportunity to possibly get to six and become bowl eligible, it's remarkable the job and the turnaround that he's had. Sure. I, I just think that he has to have some type of self ref and, and that's where you become humble. You say, look, we have to do a better job as coaches, our offensive line coach has to do a better job of getting the message across, and our teachings have to equate to the results that are going to keep up upright. They're going to equate to having more than 25 rushing yards. Not that we're going to replace you, you know that that kind of threat, that motivation there. To me. Yes, bring in your Louie luggage. Bring in all the four and five star guys that are gonna help your program. And I do believe that here within three years, if he stays at Colorado, we'll see Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes playing for an opportunity to win a national championship. That's what the portal can do for you because you're able Whoa. to get four and five school star high school athletes, you're able to get those who are ready to play immediately out of the transfer portal, you're able to get the best of the best. And that's what Dion's going to be able to do.
4: Slow down there. <laughs> Playing for a national championship.
1: 12-team f- college football is a oh. national championship opportunity. Well, fa- well, fair
4: enough, but, you know, they're fighting for bowl eligibility, right? You know, I'd like to see him win seven games, eight
1: games. I, I mean, let's, L- let's listen, pump the brakes a little bit. Four. You can't pump the brakes. You can't because you've gone from one to four. I just don't like the fact that with what he has right now, He allowed all those who he wanted to go, see you bye. They're gone. And he's going to continue to bring in those four- and five-star guys. And I think that as the portal has changed and made college football parity equal across the board, he doesn't have to be the the fourth-best team in America next year. He has to be the top 12. Where did he find himself through the first three weeks of college football this year? And he, miss, he
4: found himself in the top twenty-five yeah, when he had no it, business being
1: there. It, it, I agree with that, one thousand percent, and it's showing now on the backside of his schedule. But with the parity that's in college football, you can go from what you saw Dion and them having one win a year ago to getting to where you're at nine and two. Ten and two, and still have a chance to be in and playing great football down the stretch. Like,
4: yeah, I mean, I think you're making a big jump there from five and seven, maybe six and six, if they finish off really well, to nine and three, ten and two.
1: Tell me another program in the country that's going to do more than what Colorado's going to do in the off season, from a portal standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint.
4: I don't know. They brought in a whole new roster this this uh, off season, and it's gone. It's gone okay. I mean, they're they're better. Uh, it's funny too because the offensive line's like entirely new offensive line, yeah. so I guess uh,
1: I just start take, again. Take it. take it as you need to take it, and I think that what you just have to do is, if you're Deion Sanders, be humble in that situation to where take fault for you not getting it done as a head coach. Don't sit there and put the offensive line coach or the offensive line on the chopping block and said, yeah, we're just going to replace you. I just don't think they should do that. Colorado's better. Dion is... Going to be an outstanding coach when it's all said and done. But this year I have just haven't been sold on the Buffaloes, won't be sold on the Buffaloes. I think year three is Deion Sanders' magic number for sure for having a chance to win the national championship. We'll talk to John Rischetti coming up next here on a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive that will be the Dan Hart LLC Engineer Products and Services Golf Report coming up next.
5: This is Andrew Zhao, Alabama former quarterback listen at WNSP
0: 1055.
1: The Adams Family coming to you here on this Halloween edition of The Final Drive. And Danny, you know, the Adams <laughs> Family, it, not necessarily really Halloween, because the Adams Family, you watch that year round. Well, it was Halloween
2: every day. But it yeah, definitely the, was Halloween the Adams family.
1: every day for sure with the Adams Family. And I know that... When you're looking at, you mentioned what your favorite Halloween candy was of all time. And I know for a fact that, again, mine being the Snicker and the Kit Kat value there. I, I think that when you do have an opportunity to, to get that candy, what, what time, Danny, when kids go trick-or-treating, do, do you just cut off the lights and just say, look, I'm going, I'm going to bed?
2: at our house right around eight o'clock. And even that may be a little bit late depending on the makeup of your of your residences. So right, eight ish.
1: Eight o'clock and I, I know that you do have with the with the time change coming here this weekend doesn't fall in time for Halloween, but you do normally see that that's probably right around my household as well, right around that eight o'clock area. And I know after the Chavez furniture talking football today, I'm gonna have an opportunity to to do a little trick or treating with my grandson. Nice. So looking forward to that. And you know, he makes sure that I don't dip into his bag. Kind of kind of a stingy one there.
2: Yeah, I bet you still dip into his bag. I though. still find
1: it. <laughs> no <laughs> They'll never know. Especially if it's the Kit Kat or or the Snicker edition. And you know, yesterday when you do have an opportunity to listen to Dabo Sweeney and I know that that was in the news today especially when you look at Dabo Sweeney just really going scorched earth on a caller to the Clemson show Dabo Sweeney had some things to say to a caller named Tyler that really questioned of course yesterday we played that clip with NC State's head coach saying look we or more than a basketball school. Dabble Sweeney chiming in last night on a caller who made reference to his salary. Why are we paying you 11.5 million dollars to go four and four? And it's not just this year. It's been, it's been,
10: you know, just the refusal to accept.
11: All right, all, all right. What's friends. this guy's name? Tyler. Hey Tyler. I've, I've listened this to Tyler. enough of you, Tyler. Listen, uh, you can, you can have all your opinions that you want. All right. I don't know how old you are, don't really care, all right. but let me tell you something. Uh, we won 11 games last year, and you're part of the problem, to be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. It's people like you that do that. all you do is ex- the appreciation, the expectation is greater than the appreciation, mm. and that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10-plus win years.
1: Dabo right there having an opportunity to go ahead and chime in about his salary and the expectations. I think the key word right there for Dabo was him talking about expectations versus appreciation.
2: I think Dabo was right on with his comments. Now, I don't know if I would have said them as direct and maybe got a little personal with Tyler, which, you know, is that a line that's crossed – But what, you know, strip all that out, what he said was probably correct. And we can talk to my fellow Alabama fans the same way. And it's, I I hear what he's saying. But the problem is once once the momentum starts where you're starting to lose and it's happened in Clemson, and it's because he's not big in NIL, he's not big in a transfer portal, but to compete today, you've got to change. And I just don't know if he wants to.
1: And I don't think he wants to either. And while we're talking college football and Dabo Sweeney and the success that they have had in the past and has ultimately led to a national championship. It's always great to talk to our next guest. He's very integral in wanting to bring back the traditions of college football here, especially those SWAC traditions of HBCU football back to Mobile, Alabama. Brings in the Gulf Coast Challenge. A lot of success here over the last couple of years with the attendance. And this weekend, being treated to even more HBCU football as Alabama State will be taking on the Grambling Tigers. I, I'm looking forward to this game for so many reasons. Both of these teams coming off huge swack wins this past week, and We'll welcome in the executive director, not only of the Gulf Coast Challenge, but of the Port City Classic, Tim Hale, joining us this afternoon. Tim, how's everything going, my friend?
6: Hey, man, everything's going great, brother. Everything's going great. Anytime I get on the show, man, I feel... I feel like I, I I achieved
1: something in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I've achieved having Danny Cordy in the studio oh, with me this wow. afternoon. So I know oh, you and man, Danny we have. Danny, we got Danny on
2: too. How about it, Tim? How about it? What's
1: up, brother?
2: Well, just hey, we we want to hear about uh, what's what what's going on. What are the events Saturday and uh, I'm sorry on Friday and Saturday? And figured you'd be the best one to to lay it out for us.
6: Man, look, I'm so excited, bro. Um it, it's it's gonna be another epic weekend. Um the what I'm really excited about is the, the dog on Expo, man. The the expo gonna be crazy. It's gonna be nice, man. You're gonna have some very big heavy hitters in the building, man. DL is gonna be in the building. Uh Roland Martin is gonna be in the building. You got all these dignitaries, we're gonna have it's so much going on. You got over over fifty vendors going to be in the building at the convention center, and it's just going to be crazy, man. What it's are the be a- real crazy? What are,
2: what are the hours of that on Friday? Say it again. What are the hours of the expo on Friday at the convention center?
6: The expo will be from nine a.m. to five p.m.
2: Okay, and then what happens after the expo closes up?
6: After the expo closes up, they change the room around and get ready for a comedy show with with the man himself, Mister D.L. Hughley being uh, 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 the host of the comedy show that night. And then after the comedy show, we're going to have a a soiree party, uh, an old-school HBCU throwdown for all the people that's in town from Alabama uh, State and from Grambling, hopefully they'll come through and and just enjoy Mobile. And that's all at the the convention Convention... center is going to be
2: the spot. So that's all at the convention center on Friday, right?
6: We're going to take over the convention center (laughs) all day and all night.
2: Yeah, that, that's
1: a, a very, very huge event that's going down Friday at the Mobile Convention Center. You mentioned the Business Expo from 9 to 5, and then flipping it over into uh, not only a comedy show, but a soiree as well for everyone to enjoy who came downtown. And I know that the, the event... Uh, a couple of weeks ago very successful in the Gulf Coast Challenge when Alabama A&M and Jackson State came to town and you were able to host so many great functions throughout the week and this one the Port City Classic having great events that are going to be Friday and Saturday and you, I, I've been asked about on Saturday or if you have a game ticket that there's going to be a lot of tailgating that's taking place and that's kind of the staple there of of the events that take place right there at Lad Peoples Stadium, whether it is in the past been the Senior Bowl, whether it's been these wonderful Gulf Coast Challenge and Port City Classic, this being the to- first time it's coming back. The tailgating is always electric. The weather is supposed to be phenomenal. Let everybody know about the ticket and tailgating opportunities that they have on Saturday. Corey,
6: I can only put it like this. The only way we can keep these games going is if we have people to buy tickets to go into the game. So the only only reason the tailgating is available is because of the game. So our goal is to try to make sure people support the game. So we last on the last game, we probably had about 50,000 people in the parking lot and about 19,000 inside the stadium. Well, our goal is to make sure that everybody comes to last People's Stadium and support the game. Because if we can't get the heads and beds, if we can't get to fill the stadium, then we cannot continue to have these games. So that's what the Ticket to Tailgate is about. Uh, people going to come support the tailgate. It's only a small contribution. If you have a game ticket, you get in the tailgate free. If you don't have a game ticket, you don't plan on going inside, you make a $10 donation towards the university, and you get to do the same support. So either way, we want you to be able to support the game. And so I just think it's going to be – it's going to work out fine, man. Uh, it's something new, City of Mobile. It's going to be new. But I think that everything will work out. And once people get used to it, they're going to understand it's all about supporting the game.
2: And in, 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 to add to what Tim says, as the Mobile Sports Authority, we're we're a, a supporter of this game. We're a, a huge partner for the Gulf Coast Challenge. And, and Tim's right in what he's saying. I mean, it's, it may not be what everybody wants to hear, but if we're going to have these kind of events that we're offering – they need to be supported now if you don't want to support it well then then you know the event may not be here next time but that's we have to have not only local support but we have our visitor support too and and the combination of the two really I think is going to create a, a, a great atmosphere it's going to be a lot of fun I believe on Saturday weather is seventy-five and sunny. So in uh, November cool. you can't get much better than that. So again, just you, you know, listen bad. to what Tim's saying, and and hopefully uh, we'll have a good uh, a big crowd coming in on Saturday.
1: Tim, I, I you know when you do look at today being Halloween, you know the there is no tricks in regards to what's going on with the port city classic it's all treats it's a friday from nine to five like you said the business expo that's going to be available it's the comedy show with dl Hughley. a lot of people remember his comedy show that in a sitcom that was on abc a few years ago and then you turn around and you look at the games and the festivities that are going on saturday and everyone needs to continue to support that People have asked and want to know, how can you purchase or buy tickets, and is there a walk-up opportunity also available?
3: Yes, sir. There's
6: definitely a walk-up opportunity. And let's not forget the parade Saturday morning. Go have a – still got to have a parade that Saturday morning, man. So to get tickets, the website is www.mobileportcityclassic.com. Also, they can go to Northside Ticket Exchange and get all, all the tickets they want.
1: I love the fact, Tim, that you're so passionate about what you're doing and the opportunities that you're giving the youth to be exposed to HBCU, whether it's from a football standpoint, a band standpoint, and also a community standpoint. You guys had a career fair for the Gulf Coast Challenge to where you brought in a lot of middle and high school students who were being exposed to all these HBCU colleges and local universities, especially one of those HBCUs being right here in Bishop State Community College. You know Tim, I salute you for the tremendous job that you and your crew do in promoting this game 365 and there is going to be a special halftime performance. I know a lot of people I don't care if it's a wedding. I don't care if it's a party. <laughs> Let everybody know. man. I guarantee they've heard of your halftime guest many many times again outside of the regular Valentine's Day,
6: dude. Let me tell you something. I met I met this gentleman about twenty years ago in Louisiana, and we've been like brothers for like twenty years. And you know how I treat family, Corey, because yes. you understand that. And so when I called him, I said, "Hey, man, Ramblin' Band's not gonna be able to make it. I need I need you to, I need you to come show up at time." He said, "Tim, whatever I got on the calendar is canceled." We're gonna do the biggest Cupid Shuffle and Flex line dance ever inside a lab people stadium on the fifty yard line. I said he, he said, say let's let's go. Let's do it. So none other than Grammy Award nominated and multi platinum recording artist Cupid is gonna be out there doing his famous new line dance, Flex, and we gotta go back with the Cupid Shuffle, man. So and it it's the beautiful part about it, he's gonna do it with Uh, cheerleaders that signed up for the cheerleader camp, the HBCU cheerleader camp, all those young ladies that signed up for the camp is going to get to go out on the field and party with Cupid. Man, it's going to be amazing,
1: bro. The Cupid Shuffle coming to Lab (laughs) People Stadium this Saturday. It's a brand new dance called the Cupid Shuffle. (laughs) So everyone has seen or heard that line dance for sure as, again, played (laughs) at parties, weddings, bar mitzvahs all across the world we got to get Danny ready because Danny's got to go to the 50-yard
2: line to do the Cuban shuffle, man. Hey, hey, he'll break it down. Tim, I'll be right next to you. (laughs) I love it.
1: I love it. Tim, I I can't let you go this being Halloween without asking you a couple questions. What is your favorite Uh, Halloween candy of all time?
6: Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. There we go. Yeah,
1: you see, you and Danny Cordy on the same there page there. And I, I, I told Danny my favorite costume growing up as a kid was the Spider-Man with the little string that goes across the back of your head as the mask. You yeah. know, because they didn't have the full mask that you could put over your face with the eye holes and everything that they have now. But what was your favorite Halloween costume growing up? My favorite
6: Halloween costume was whatever my mama can fit on on me.
2: <laughs> I hear you, too. I hear you, brother. I had a feeling <laughs> Tim just enjoyed whatever he did. it didn't matter. Whatever whatever I can get on. I'm
6: going with my bag to everybody's
1: house. I, I love it. I love it. What what time does Halloween <laughs> shut down at the Hell House? Is its is it 8 o'clock? Danny says, look, it's probably right around 8 o'clock time to cut it off. What do you think about that?
6: I've gotten old. So what I do is I put two big old balls oh, of candy. No, you don't. You don't give court. out
2: candy. Come on. <laughs> and y'all can get
6: whatever y'all want. And I refill them twice. I, after the second refill, that's it. I love it. I
1: love it, Tim. That makes oh, two of us, brother. That's another way to do it, I guess. Wow. <laughs> that makes two of us, Tim. That makes two of us. Tim Hale, executive director, not only of the Gulf Coast Challenge, but the Port City Classic, joining us here on the final drive. Tim, again, you're bringing Alabama State and Grambling for some great HBCU football at Ladd People Stadium this Saturday. What time is kickoff, and how can everybody get tickets once again? T-
6: tickets are Northside Tech Exchange, and on the, the website MobilePortCityClassic.com The kickoff is set for 4 p.m. The gates to open for the tailgate will open at 8 a.m. The gates to enter the game will open at 1 o'clock, and we're zoned. The tailgating party, everything, all the festivities, you, got, you can't miss it. It's the Port City Classic, man.
1: Appreciate you, Tim. We'll talk to you again very soon, my brother.
6: Thank y'all, man. Thanks, Tim.
1: See you Friday. to see you on the 50. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, absolutely. I'll, I'll Danny there, Corny, baby. Cupid I'll Shuffle coming up. Don't <laughs> want to miss it. We'll be right back. Hi,
0: I'm Bobby
12: Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP-FM 105.5.
1: a Ghostbuster theme music for you on this Halloween edition and I know my man next door Matt McCoy will be dressed as a Ghostbuster tonight for his Halloween outfit And that just his regular everyday <laughs> it outfit? It is for Matt McCoy that is <laughs> that is true Ghostbuster is one of those great iconic horror film movies in regards to Slimer and if you're scared of ghosts I ain't scared of no ghost um, situation and I tell you What is coming on tonight that I'm looking forward to is the college football playoff rankings. They come out tonight and debut. And expected to me, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Florida State are you that's my four right there number one is definitely going to be georgia number two i think it's going to be ohio state best based on their strength of schedule so far number three is going to be michigan and four florida state what, what are your I, thoughts on that
2: actually i like i like that lineup now you they're going to try to make an argument can michigan be two and ohio state be three but i agree with you i think michigan's schedule has been a joke and i don't you know, now they're getting into the meat of their schedule, so we'll see. And with all this other all stuff uh, kind of rotating around the program with this Connor Stallions fella and and in
1: the and, FBI and, and
2: Harbaugh, is there a contract extension, is there not a contract extension, FBI and but I think you're right, Ohio State's resume is stronger. It's gotta be those four. But what's more interesting, what do you think five and six will be?
1: Now, that's where it's going to be tough, and I I think that you can't take away from the fact that Oregon has definitely, even though they had that loss to Washington State, I think the way that they disposed of Utah and Utah having that home winning streak that they had, I think you have to take that into consideration. I think that a lot of love is going to be shown to Texas, to be honest with you, even though that loss that they had to Oklahoma – kind of hurts them in regards to Oklahoma not doing them any favors and losing this past week to Kansas.
2: Because Washington beat Oregon, Washington to me would be five, Oregon would be six. Should Texas be ahead of those? Possibly so, but you can't put Texas all the way up to number five, and then Alabama would be number eight. So, again, to us as Alabama fans, I mean, we're kind of lurking in in the weeds.
1: Still have some work to be done. A lot of that will be figured out with what Alabama does against LSU this coming Saturday in the SEC. Danny,
2: can't thank you enough. Had a blast. Thank Absolutely. you, Corey. Thank you Anytime.
1: We'll look forward to seeing that Cupid shuffle at the <laughs> 50-yard line on Saturday I, I, at last. I'm going
2: home to practice right now.
1: There we go. Danny, Danny Cordy, our guest this afternoon here on the Final Drive in 5 to 6 o'clock, Chavez Furniture Talking Football. Scott Hunter, Tracy Turner will be in the building to break down not only Alabama and Auburn, but also to talk a little bit about South Alabama and what they have coming up this Thursday as well. You're listening to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5.
0: Huddle up. It's time for Chavez Furniture's Talking Football. Stay with us as Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner discuss Alabama, Auburn, South Alabama, the SEC, and college football around the country. Brought to you by Bayou Fasteners and Clutch and Powertrain. Call now at 694-1055 or join the discussion on the Sound of Mobile app. No.
1: Welcome to the Chavez Furniture Talking Football tuesday here it's a halloween edition guys this is yes sir scott it is all treats here in the building no tricks and tracy has on his halloween attire not not a halloween outfit but he has his halloween colors on. So the the black and orange, he's definitely supporting. You know, I, I don't think I've ever seen. It's one for Mac Tate. It, 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 that, that, <laughs> that's not, yeah, not, not McGill Toolin there. We, we'll go with the Halloween colors for sure. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Chavez Furniture Talking Football Tuesday. And uh, it's a great week setting up college football guys and we'd love to hear from you 251-694-1055 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us here for the Chavez furniture talking football tuesday and of course tonight we get our revealing of the first ever college football playoff rankings that will come out we'll talk about that throughout the show and yeah. It is and we'll get your thoughts again. And we're still also. in the
9: eighteen for one more year, right? Yes. One more we're, year with the eighteen.
1: You go you go four this year and then you go to twelve next year. So you do look at a situation to where next year college football is really gonna be turned upside down on his head, and I'm excited about these rankings that are coming out tonight, and also excited. So we still
9: only four teams?
1: Yes, four. Not we're eight. G- nope, going to go four. And all the way to 12. All, all, all the way to 12, yep. So you just kind of leapfrog the number eight no lucky eight there or crazy play-ins eights. and buys
9: is that the way it's supposed that, to that's be?
1: why it's going to go to 12 there you're going to have an opportunity for not only buys but to actually play some play-in games on your campus so i think that when they're the evolution here of the college football playoffs it's going to be fun to see that that's you an do a. M. it Long is an m. yeah it's a big time m for money there which is a money grab so We'll talk about that, and we'll talk South Alabama. Of course, they have a short week playing Troy on national television after that disappointing Saturday loss that they had to the Raging Cajun. so we'll go into that. And well, that's the Thursday night, right? That is Thursday. Yeah. Thursday on ESPN2, we'll have that. and Then we'll also have an opportunity to talk a little bit about Auburn and their big time win getting their first of the conference against Mississippi State. Tracy, you had Peyton Thorne. I've been waiting and waiting as a lot of Auburn fans have for Peyton to eclipse that 200 yard passing standpoint and also looking at the rushing game on top of the passing game. A great offensive performance by the Auburn Tigers.
9: Well, they started the half off, had some really good series in the first half, got out to the lead. uh, And then a lot of people have said, oh, well, they took their foot off or they weren't aggressive enough. But, Corey, as you and I talked about off off the air, Coach Freeze really addressed that. One series in the third quarter, they got points. So you have to say that's a successful series. At, at the time, it put them up three scores, 27-6. to six. Uh, Then the fourth quarter, they had it four times. All right, they did get to run my favorite play. That's the victory where they yeah, you you didn't about it. I'm going to kneel, and it's all over. Uh, that series was successful. A long run by Jarquez that put him over the 100-yard mark, uh, which was good for him. But the other times – I'm up 27-13, and I'm starting at my 5 and my 8 or my 3 and my 8, and then the other series I'm at my 14 or something like that. I don't want to do anything real crazy. You get a tipped bo- get a holding call in the end zone. Now it's 27-15. They beat me 29-27 with just two scores. I have to punt it to you from my 20 maybe that's just not the wisest thing in the world to do, you know. And they're out blitzing, bringing uh, what, what, what two blitzes, uh, you know, that Coach Freeze talked about that Mississippi State was doing. So, yeah, let's try to hit a quick hitter, get out past the five so we can pump from our regular spread formation. If we happen to bust one, like they did, on the last series of the game. I think they ran out, what, the last three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to get out in good field position. We can open it up. We can do some things. But if not, let's don't give them back in the game and let Big Mo
1: switch around. Mo is huge. And the tempo that Auburn was able to start and establish also, it was interesting to listen to Hugh Freeze on Saturday afternoon along with his Monday press conference to talk about the – moving forward of Auburn with tempo and Auburn with just one quarterback throughout the entire game.
9: I believe he's pretty well settled from now on. Unless Peyton Thorne gets hurt, that's who we're going to see. Hey, and the wide receivers got open and made plays. When your quarterback completes a pass to 11 different receivers, to me that means he's not locking in. He's surveying the field. And the offense is running efficiently. I, I think that's a good thing when you get 11 guys involved in the game. So I thought it was a win, saw some good things, got some people a little more healthy because we saw Cam Riley play. We saw the transfer from uh, Ole Miss, the linebacker. Uh, oh, I just – key play mm-hmm. Jalen McLeod back in the game and, and, and playing the linebacker. The uh, defensive end that had been banged up a little bit that helps them get pressure in the game. Uh, I think they came out the being able to rest the center Avery Jones. Mm-hmm. Connor Lou played. That says down the line. I mean, he's he's going to be a really good lineman. He he played. Uh, I think he graded out seventy percent or so as a freshman, starting his first game. Uh, Rested Cam Stutz some, who's banged up a little bit. Rested Gunnar Britton some. So uh, Keontae Scott back in the lineup you know, from that ankle injury. So I think everything was good for Auburn, and now they need to just carry that forward. Got to go to a tough place to play. Uh, Vanderbilt is still winless in the conference, but there's been a lot of people go in there and have tough games in Nashville, and I can remember. Scott, I imagine you went into Nashville and had to play,
12: huh? Oh boy. Yeah, did we? Yep. Got beat there one time. <laughs> that's not a good feeling. No, that's uh, terrible. I, I, <laughs> I, I, especially
1: when you look at you know, having a chance to I, I wouldn't even call it a trap game for Auburn because there are no such thing in the SEC as trap games to me, because any given SEC night. Even if you're over in the SEC, you definitely don't want to be that one for. And I know Coach Bryant probably was not too happy with the outcome there of losing to the Vanderbilt. Conference. Yeah, it
12: was uh, not a fun Monday.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could I could only imagine. And, and Scott for the Crimson Tide, I'm not even going to call it a bye week that they had to have this past week, it was a preparation week because there's no such thing in Nick Saban's system. I'll give you rest days, but I'm not going to take a bye because we know he's probably 19, 18 hours burning at both ends anyway every single day. But when you do have an opportunity to play an opponent when you did not play an opponent the week before, not only does it give you a chance to kind of nurse those nagging injuries, it also gives you an opportunity, and LSU had that same opportunity to also have the off week prior to this big-time SEC West showdown.
12: Well, I think uh, what uh, the nice thing about an off week is the mental uh, refresher it is. Mm. You know, you're not under the pressure of getting ready to play Uh, on Saturday and so forth and just the the mental relaxation I think the players were even given a Friday Saturday off to go and some of them went home or whatever they do Uh, but that's a nice thing too it's kind of a uh, take a little steam out of you if you will and refresh the batteries emotionally and mentally and so I think that was a good thing 251-694-1055. 251-694-1055 251-694-1055.
1: 251-694-1055 is how you can get into the Chavez Furniture Talking Football Tuesday. And we do have a caller on is the it Jerry? line. Well, let's see who it is. Is this Jerry? Let's see if Ron punches him up, whether it's Jerry or not. Welcome, caller.
10: Yeah. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Once again. Okay.
1: Good
0: guess. The
10: question I while you're still talking Alabama, like, uh, how do you think Alabama is going to attack uh, LSU? I mean, uh, you know, basically the game plan.
12: Well, Jerry, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't want to be disparaging of, of a team or at least a, a part of a team, but I watched uh, the Florida State game till I got bored with it. You know, that was the first game in in the season for the LSU and Florida State. Florida State in the second half just... We just ran all over them, and then I watched the Ole Miss and Alabama, uh, Ole Miss and LSU game a couple, three weeks ago, and I think it preceded the Alabama game that we're you know, getting ready to watch with our friends the Cobb's. And anyway, uh, I didn't see LSU. I didn't see them cover anybody, and I have not seen them tackle anybody since Labor Day. It seems. <laughs> And yeah, uh, they, um, they uh, sorry, and ahead. against Ole Miss, they they couldn't cover your your kitchen floor, uh, and they're just terrible on defense. And I thought from the Florida State game, obviously the opening game of the season, you you could kind of expect well they they were a little green on this defense and they didn't get this right, but they would have had that all fixed by the time they played Ole Miss. They didn't have anything fixed. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss went up and down the field like and. and Mike was reminded me earlier today we were talking with about, I guess, five or four or five minutes to go in the game. Ole Miss just ran the ball the rest of the game, ran the clock out. Or, I'm sorry, ran down and scored a touchdown. And uh, yeah. LSU couldn't stop him. So uh, what that tells me is that Alabama's offense should go out there and have a good night. Uh, and But consequently w- – w- we can talk a little bit more if you'd like about the LSU offense and their quarterback too.
10: No, I was just going to ask you: Is there, uh, in your experience, is there any way you can uh, change the defensive scheme the secondary is using to kind of compensate for the fact they're having such a tough time? I mean, is I don't know what how much leeway you have to to work back there. I mean, like you said once before, if you can't cover, you can't cover, but. It's uh, we just wonder if there's any way you can uh, switch switch things around and maybe take a little bit of that curse off it.
12: Well, I'm I'm sure the LSU defensive coordinator and staff coordinator and st- his staff are, are working on that right now. But I think Corey uh, confirmed this. That I think they've lost one of their cornerbacks and yeah. and their top defensive uh, top. pass rusher. Mm-hmm. uh Makai Wingo Wingo is mm-hmm. out. He had surgery I think this mm-hmm. week, so he's out. So mm-hmm. they're even they're in a worse shape situationally the, uh, than they were in the Ole Miss game. So, I don't see that there's any reason that Alabama should not go out and have a good night offensively, both throwing the football and running the football.
10: Yeah, What do you think uh, uh, Steele's going to do to uh, kind of shut down Daniels, if that can be done?
12: Well, I know he'd like to play with 12 players, but that's illegal. <laughs> uh <laughs> And I put one, but two spies on J Daniels. Daniels killed Alabama yep. last year. You you might have seen the game. And overtime, uh-huh. he he runs for you know for a touchdown. And anyway, he I think uh, he is the best quarterback in college football. I know there's a great quarterback up at, at Washington that's probably running number one in the Heisman Trophy voting. But if I had a Heisman Trophy vote as I did back in my television sportscaster days, I'd certainly be considering. Uh, the LSU quarterback JT Daniels is. A, yep. I'd be considering yep. him uh, f- for my Heisman Trophy vote. So, I d- I don't think you can th- consider that you're going to shut down a player as good as he is and as good as their offense is, and they've got two really two fine wide receivers. Also, I don't think you, in this day and time, you try to shut them down. As Kevin and I were talking back last spring. The, the defenses today is you try to give a team a bad play, and you try not to let a team have two good plays back-to-back. And And I don't know if you remember it, Jerry, but back in 2019 when LSU came into Tuscaloosa, President Trump was at the game. It was for the national championship and all. And and yeah, everybody I talked to after the game agreed. Had Alabama be able to get – one or two stops or one or two sacks in the fourth quarter uh, on that great lsu quarterback alabama would have won the game so i think what kevin is thinking is in during the course of the game and particularly as the game wears on we've got to get some stops on him we've got to get some uh rush on him and we got to get to you know we got to sack him some so yeah. Don't give them big plays back-to-back and see if you can pick the ball away from them or have a stop at a crucial moment late in the third and as the fourth quarter wears on.
1: Appreciate you, Jerry, for giving us a call. We're okay. up against this hard break, and you're listening to the Chavez Furniture Talking Football Tuesday. We'll be right back here on the other side of this break.
2: Everybody, Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile.
0: Welcome back to Chavez Furniture's Talkin' Football on 105.5 FM, live at wnsp.com and on the Sound of Mobile app. Once again, Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It is the final drive, but the third hour of the final drive, the Chavez furniture talking football final drive hour here. And, you know, I I will ask you guys, with it being Nick Saban's birthday, which just so happens to be on Halloween, you know, uh, happy birthday to the goat there. Scott, what was or what is your favorite Halloween candy of all
12: time? <laughs> like, w- whatever I got. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, look, that, you're hey, the second person when you, today. When,
12: when you went to live with your grandparents in a loose tail and you went out to trick or treat, you just took, you just took what you got. <laughs> I got
1: you. And what about you, Tracy?
12: You, do you have a favorite
1: all-time Halloween candy?
9: Reese's peanut butter. You're the
1: you're the third person to answer. Danny Cordy, Tim Hale, and now you're the third. It looks like that's going to be in the fourth one because Ron Reams, our producer, says he loves that as well. But when you do look at there, there's the, the Halloween costumes too, guys. The Halloween costumes that that I've seen at some of these college football games in preparation for Halloween today. Scott, did did you ever did you have a favorite Halloween? Outfit growing up or one that you saw your kids wear growing up that sticks out in your mind?
12: The scariest thing that I saw on Halloween growing up in where right, I trick and treating, the scariest thing was the big boys chasing you trying to get your candy. <laughs> Now we know why Scott is a quarterback. Skip all the goblins <laughs> and all the, all that stuff, man. When those big boys got after that was as scary as hey, now, it got. Now
1: we know. And Tracy, what about yourself? Is
9: is Halloween? I just dressed up in my normal clothes and went as a redneck. Hey,
1: look,
9: if, if it works for you, what's good for the goose is when good for the can. When you live there. three miles down a dirt road, either way,
1: that, that's you just went, went, went as a went redneck. As he is. Uh, hey, look, I'm not mad at you guys at all, but you you do look at Nick Saban really enjoying 72 years of life. And, and people were asked, you know, Coach Saban, what what would you really like for your birthday? Or what do you do in preparation? He's like, look, I, I just – I love football. I want to be prepared to win football games. And that's where my mind is concentrated on. So, I know we do see a lot of that. And
9: Yeah, yeah today's Tuesday,
12: yeah, Corey. This,
9: this is hard work day. Yeah, yeah. It's, this it's is, definitely
12: hard work day. This is one uh, spring and – Miss Terry is there with a couple of young ladies who were their her escorts and Deb, my my wife. They start talking Terry and her, and she asked her about you know vacations and what they do on vacation. And Terry said, Oh, we go to our lake house up in North Georgia, and and uh, I you know get stuff going for the you know, kids are coming over and blah blah blah, and and she said, Oh, what does Nick do? And he said, Well, he gets the uh, jet boats tweaked up, you know, gassed up. He goes out and rides around with the grandchildren for, you know, a couple of hours and then he goes in the basement and starts watching football videos.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so hey, you know that Coach Saban's always in football mode, but happy birthday to Coach Nick Saban celebrating number seventy-two this year. And guys, I I, I this is the Chavez Furniture talking football and plenty of Alabama and Auburn, especially with Alabama taking on LSU this week. But one of the things that has gone on here and will go on tonight is the college football playoff rankings. And that's something after Alabama lost to Texas that we kind of saw them fall out of the top 10 for the first time in several years as far as being outside of the top 10. Now, when the AP poll comes back out, you see Oklahoma losing to Kansas this week in college football. And with the CFP college football rankings coming out tonight, you know Alabama is going to be outside of the top ten, outside the top five. But if they continue to hold through, do you see Alabama having an opportunity, even if they lose? Let's say they do play Georgia in the SEC championship, but controlling one game at a time, Scott – Alabama gets back into the top four. Is there that much Bama fatigue to where people just don't want to see Alabama?
12: No, I think they have to earn their way back in, uh, regardless of fatigue or not. Um, you know, after you lost to Texas, we said on this show, and a couple of people at the YMCA told me they didn't like it, but it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't matter because it's not a Southeastern Conference game. So, the what really is business is the Southeastern Conference and winning in the Southeastern Conference and getting to Atlanta uh, to play whoever shows up there, which likely, after the way Georgia beat Florida the other day, is going to be Georgia. And so then you get a chance to uh, to play and beat Georgia, and then you're in the playoffs. You've earned it. Now they may choose Georgia the committee because Georgia's had a great record and came into the game undefeated, and Alabama beat them, you know, thirty-one to thirty or something that note, but. You've earned it if you get there and you beat Georgia.
1: And when you say we were talking a a little off the air, Tracy, about Auburn having an opportunity here to try to get to to bowl eligibility, that's why this game here this past week was so huge, not only – playing in front of your fans at Jordan Hare stadium, but also having a chance and our opportunity to get to that win number six without feeling pressure and just feeling a lot more loosey goosey and relaxed and having a lot more fun as evident as Auburn played getting that pregame pep talk from assistant coach Cadillac Williams.
9: Well, you know, we try to take them one at a time. So obviously the next one here is Vanderbilt, Mm -hmm. but, but, if, if you look at the schedule, that lays out that uh, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, New Mexico. So Auburn is in the position where uh, that they have a chance to get on a, on a winning streak here. And if you want to project that out, if, if Auburn is going to have a real chance in that last one when Alabama comes to Auburn, they need to be on that winning streak. They need to go into the game with some confidence. Uh, and and then to have 80, what is it now, 89,000, I think, Close with enough. the with the new changes. But uh, they first have to go. I remember some of Coach Tuberville's teams went to Nashville and uh, came out disappointed. Uh, you know, Auburn doesn't go up there a lot. Uh, but they haven't been extremely successful in Nashville. So, I'm – Sure, Coach Freeze has been talking about that. I heard him on his Monday show saying, look, I took a pretty good Ole Miss team up there, and and uh, we had a dogfight and barely got out. So I don't think I've got to tell my guys how important and how they need to get ready to play.
1: Yeah, I think that when you do look at both of them, they are in a situation. Alabama, Scott, as you mentioned, controlling its own destiny, and Auburn still controlling its own bold destiny and getting to that six wins in Hugh Freeze's first year as well. And I think we do have a caller on the line here with us here on the Chavis Furniture Talking Football Tuesday.
10: I
6: got, I got ten. Like <laughs>
1: it is going to be a long day saturday thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to to hear your 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 thoughts on score predictions and high scoring predictions there for the auburn tigers if auburn can score 50 i think that that's something that not only would help their overall point differential on the season but it would make hugh freeze be on cloud nine i think forward. if we
9: score half that we probably gonna get a w <laughs> i <laughs> agree know, defense is playing pretty good and they're getting guys back and that you know i think at this point on defense the only only guy that they are out and they're not going to be able to have play saturday is Nozaki, kite mm-hmm. and he's out for the year with that torn bicep so uh when you start to get Guys have had experience now. They're they understanding their keys, and it doesn't hurt when you know whether it's going to be a run or pass. We were talking about apparently Auburn had stolen some of the signs, and apparently in the first half knew whether old I mean whether Mississippi State was going to throw it or run it. They didn't know whether it's left or right or what, but they knew whether it was going to be a run or pass, and that certainly helps. So um, getting healthy is important, and we had talked about that in the Alabama game. LSU being beat up. Maybe their best defensive lineman not going to be able to play out with surgery. Uh, I, you know, They're playing with a lot of twos and threes in the secondary. So Alabama, with a running attack that they started developing, and, and when the secondary has to start crouching up and helping and the safeties have to start helping in the run game, that should open up some of the passing
1: game down the field. You're listening to the Chavez Furniture Talking Football Tuesday here on WNSP 105.5. When we get back, I want to get you guys' thoughts on Dabo Sweeney going Old Testament yesterday is what he calls it today in his press conference. I know Scott Dabo having those Bama bloodlines in him. We'll talk about Dabo Sweeney's comments for a caller who called in to his show on yesterday here on the Chavez Furniture Talking Football Tuesday here on WNSP
2: 105.5. I'm Laura
9: Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5.
4: Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile.
0: Welcome back to Chavez Furniture's Talkin' Football on 105.5 FM, live at WNSP.com and on the Sound of Mobile app. Once again, oh, Scott Hunter I it's and Crazy just a, dream? When I come home and die?
1: a little bit of Halloween music for you there here on the Chavez Furniture Talkin' Football Tuesday. And, Guys, we were treated to an Old Testament scorching by Dabo Sweeney on yesterday when a caller called in to the show and made reference to Dabo Sweeney's making $11 million and Clemson being 4-4. Four and four. Of course, Clemson loses to North Carolina State this week. And a couple of weeks ago, Dabo had made the comment about Fans jumping off the bandwagon. Maybe they needed to lose a little bit more for the fans to have appreciation. And he talked about expectation versus appreciation. Now, I agree with his comments on expectation versus appreciation. And Dabo Sweeney today in his press conference went back and addressed his comments that he made on Monday to the caller who called the show Tyler on Monday. Dabo Sweeney's comments today.
11: We're having a bad year. That's my responsibility. Ain't nobody happy about it. That's my responsibility. That's, that's on me, 100%. And I ain't asking nobody to be happy, you know? But let's don't eat our own. And that's what we've done. Even what, what's happened around here is, even when we've won, everybody's miserable. And that's sad. It's really sad. And so I'm thankful for the struggle. I'm thankful for the opportunity to teach in a way that I haven't had a chance to teach in a long time. So sit back and just enjoy the journey. That's what I tell you.
3: So with that measured perspective, I think there are many people wondering what what triggered last night a great deal
11: of emotion from well, you? I mean yeah. I had some idiot uh, go Old Testament on me and he got an Old Testament response
12: let's uh let's curtail that a little bit uh, I think we just moved outside of one of our our areas here uh, outside of the lines. Um,
1: Scott, you think that's outside yeah the lines I think here? I think
12: I think that's outside the lines that that's nothing that occurred on the field. Uh, it wasn't a coaching decision or players play or anything. And, you know, I'd prefer we just – that's just not an area we like, We want to go to on talking football.
1: As far as talking football, the Deion Sanders hype train with Colorado. Colorado comes in and they're 3-0 and on the season. And then after them being 3-0 and on the season, now they've only – received one win since then. Deion Sanders and his sons are the talk of college football when you only have one win a year ago as a program and you're able to turn around the hype train and to get everyone supporting your program like Dion has been able to do. Colorado do you think they're a program, Scott, early in the 90s, they're a a very relevant program? They're more mentioned than the Alabama Crimson Tide are in the 90s as a whole. Their program was as successful or even more successful outside of that. Both of them won one national championship apiece in the 90s. So your thoughts on Deion Sanders being able to turn around Colorado's program and is it good for college football?
12: Well, uh, I know what he's done. Of course, that's, you know, with the portal, you know, bringing in players and, and some players being invited, I guess, to, to leave. And uh, it's approved, apparently approved their program. It looks like they are were playing better on the field. But didn't they have a, a slate of injuries or so that kind of set them back? And, their and
1: best two-way player so who was possibly yeah, a Heisman Trophy don't candidate don't in Travis Hunter yeah. had a lacerated liver. That was on a late hit against Colorado State, lacerated his liver to where he wasn't able to play for a few weeks, and because of that, you do take away the best two-way player in college football. Yeah. So yeah, injuries have played a a little bit of a toll in in what they've been able to accomplish.
12: Yeah, and they're probably not that deep. You know, he just got there. I mean, his first season. So, I think. But what he's done on the whole here is, and this applies to what's going on between the lines, is he's brought attention to the program. And I played against Colorado when I was in at Alabama. And they had two or three NFL caliber players that I played against later in the NFL. And they were a good team. They beat us 47 to 38 or 35 or something in, in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, but they hit the skids. Uh, sometime after that and I think it's been a long skid time for them but it seems like that uh, Dion has got out there and attracted attention and now they're on the way back
1: as far as when if you had to pick those top four teams uh, to be the man you have to beat the man And I am a believer that Georgia is going to have every opportunity to win their third national championship in a row. Because I I did pick them to win the national championship and make that history before we go to divisionless football in the Southeastern Conference. But the the situation with Michigan and stealing of the signs. Um, or the FBI being on campus, but they're undefeated and their schedule is a little bit softer than what Ohio State has played thus far. Florida State continuing to run the table and be undefeated. When it comes out, would you go Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Florida State, kind of the way the top four are listed in the AP, or who are the top four teams in you guys' mindset as far as from a college football standpoint? I
9: think those four, uh, at, at the end of the year, y- you have to expect that Georgia, uh, worst case scenario for them is to be 12-1 and 1 and have lost the SEC championship game. I think they still get in. Uh, I don't think anybody will beat Florida State, so I think they're going to be 13-0, and 0, so I think they'll be in. Uh, then you got Michigan-Ohio State got to play, assuming Michigan get ba- gets past Penn State. So that could throw a whole monkey wrench in in the whole Big Ten. Um, my 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 question is: Is anybody else got a chance? Alabama does because they play Georgia. Mm-hmm. When out, they're in. I don't I don't I don't have any question. If Alabama wins out and is twelve and one, having just beat Georgia, they will be in the playoffs. Anybody here have any question about that?
12: No. Uh, yeah, I think the winner of the SEC, as we've been talking, yep. after they beat, lost to Texas. Yeah, now all you got to do is go through when the I SEC and beat Georgia. Well, if you can do that, then you'll be in. the. You'll, you'll be, be in. in. You'll be in. But I don't see any other conferences. Nobody from the Pac-12 is going to be in. So,
1: Washington's going to be on the outside looking out when it's all said and done. Because right now you have Washington that has defeated Oregon. And when you look at that game, be it at home, I think you're going to see a rematch of Oregon and Washington. And I think on a neutral site field – that Oregon is going to be a better team the second go-round. And it's kind of, look, what have you done for me the latest? What do you remember the latest? Kind of like with Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship or having a chance in the college football playoffs. Because as weird as this may sound, Alabama wins out and they defeat Georgia in the SEC championship. Now you're looking if Georgia is able to get past Missouri this week, which I think is going to be an outstanding football game, where you're going to stand there if Georgia's only loss is to Alabama and Alabama has won out two SEC teams making it to the college football playoffs.
9: And Florida State, and
1: then you're fighting out
9: what in the Big Ten and Washington gets left out.
1: I think that after all said and done that Washington could get left out. Even if they go ahead and beat Oregon or no. a second time, I, I I just you know that's where it's going to be fun to see if that Alabama fatigue actually has kicked in because we saw the type of lobbying that Nick Saban did one year ago to try to get Alabama into the college football playoffs, weren't successful. Well, no, eleven and two is
9: not going to get them in. I mean, so they got no, uh,
12: to win I mean, out. I agree. I think that's just a that's a no brainer there. I mean, yep. I mean, you can't lose to Georgia in the SEC championship. You can't lose to Auburn. Can't lose to LSU. And who else they got in the SEC? That's it. Uh, you, you lose any of those three games, you're out. you're out. And I know
1: here on the other side of the break, we'll put the Halloween finishing touches on this Chavis Furniture Talking Football Tuesday, as we are going to talk a little bit about South Alabama. And their upcoming game, or their backs are against the wall, Corey. We'll definitely see how they come out, scratching and clawing as Jaguars literally here on the Chavez Furniture Talking Football Tuesday on WNSP
0: 105.5. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to Chavez Furniture's Talkin' Football on 105.5 FM, live at WNSP.com and on the Sound of Mobile app. Once again, Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner.
1: Get a little darker outside. <laughs> you can't go wrong with a little thriller on Chavis Furniture's talking football here. And guys, before the break, we were talking about South Alabama and their inability to 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 sustain wins that you feel that they needed to have. And this is one that would have put them in the driver's seat in the Sunbelt Conference standings. And you had to flush this lost behind you real quick because you're not playing the Saturday game you're playing for the battle of the belt and you don't want one loss to turn quickly into two yeah
9: good point Scott I I was curious about that because I had some really good conversations with coach die uh up at the farm and things we'd ride around when I was practicing I'd always stay there when we went after and he talked about that wrong way bow game where all where we lost my senior year 17 to 15 and um he always thought about how he said normally in that game he didn't have to do anything to make sure that people prepared right and their minds were right. And, you know, we came out in the first half and were behind 17 to – I think it was 17 to three. It was like we were still in Auburn before we woke up at halftime and came back. Um, did you ever have any of that where the, one of the teams you played on, whether it was with the Packers or, or at Alabama – where you didn't know how you were going – you, you were capable of beating the best team in the league or in the conference one Saturday as South goes to Oklahoma State and beats the 6-2 and two Cowboys, not by a fluke, dominates them, and then come back the next week and they play bad. Did you ever ha- play well, one you, of those One of
12: those games where you think, you think you're prepared mentally and, and emotionally and physically and you go out and, and nothing is going right. Nothing is going yeah, right. Yeah, one and, of those. And I've had a few of those circumstances. But generally, um, you get it turned around. And as y'all got it turned around, that game, I, I was there. I watched that game you're talking about. And, and Auburn turned it around. And y'all were probably the dominant team at the end of the game. But Alabama was able to hold on. And of course, you, you missed a field goal uh, and so forth, or you're going to win the game. So, yeah, there's been those kind. Uh, but generally – the teams I've been around and the coaches I've been associated with, uh, you know, you kind of put it back together maybe at halftime and come out and play a better half in the second half and either win it or get it back in it. Well, I'm just surprised because South is a veteran team this year, veteran quarterback,
9: veteran lineman. Now they got a lot of people hurt. But uh, I I, I do believe they feel like their back's against the wall. and, And sometimes, you know, that's fight or flight. So, yeah, when yeah. when you get to that point, you, you're either going to get their best or things are going to go the other way. And we've talked about on this show. You never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. And I, I wouldn't be shocked at all for South to beat Troy Thursday night. It wouldn't shock me at all. And, in fact, if we pick here in a minute, I'm going to pick the Jaguars to win the game 20-17. to 17.
1: That's all we got. It's two minutes left. So, all right. I, I like that prediction because the Battle of the Belt has escaped the Jaguars for the last six years. Low so scoring game 20-17. But it's
12: at, at Troy. At, at Troy. Troy
9: Memorial Stadium. Yeah.
1: ESPN 2 National Broadcast having a chance on Carlton Marshall Day. As a matter of fact, Carlton Marshall prepping at McGill Toolin and also having a chance here to be the FBS all-time leading tackler out of Mobile, Alabama. Carlton Marshall Day for the Troy Trojans. Now you look at Vanderbilt and Auburn. Who you got? I'm going Auburn. No trap game there. I think Auburn will score at least their point total, 27 points or more. Once again,
12: Scott. Yeah, you finally settle on the quarterback, which is a good thing. Um, I think Auburn does well offensively. Wins it, you know, 37 to 21 thereabouts. Yeah, I'm I'm going. 27-13 again, just just like the state
9: game. That's about where I see, but I think Auburn will win. So let's get to the big one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a chance for Alabama to be in the driver's seat in the SEC West and put themselves in a position to continue their hunt for a national title. What are your predictions there? I'm going to go with 28-17 to 17, Alabama.
9: You ain't got enough points. I'm going to go 41-38 Alabama.
12: And as we spoke about earlier, LSU is going to put points on the board. That quarterback is too good. Those receivers are too good. They're going to put points on the board. But this is uh, the night for Jalen Milroe and the Alabama offense uh, to come out and show. And uh, they've got, they know they've got to put 40 points points on the board to win this game. I think they win it 42 to 31. 42 to 31. And who you got? McGill, Tulin and Sarah Land with the best team in
9: Alabama
1: football history. Sarah Land, but not quite sure about the best team in the state of Alabama's history. They're on their way to making history. Hey, there's a Viger High School of 87 and 88, now. <laughs> yeah, that's who that they're chasing. That. <laughs> that's who they're chasing. Thank you guys so much. Good Jack job, Courtney. All right. Talking happy Halloween. Football Tuesday and happy Halloween to everybody. Enjoy the trick or treating.